if you're into fish, into fish, odds are you know the story. Hello out there. <laughs> Hello world. <laughs> That's a good laugh. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'd like to uh, begin today's podcast with a prepared statement. <clears throat> That's what I had down. What, what, um, so I just wanted was to that know. like the sound of something hitting something else, like a head against a wall, or was that like a <laughs> falling out of your chair type of situation? It's kind of like how if you try to prepare for a game hinge and the show, and then mm-hmm. they do game hinge. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to handle. It's a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) And you were not at the New Year's Eve show, but you were there in New York. So there was also the element of, well, we'll do the show once he comes back from New York. So for people who don't know, we we were going to do the whole shebang on 12-23. And we recorded just the intro to the Game Henge podcast. episode that aired the la- the uh, part one that aired last time and then <laughs> we also did the game hinge um the uh the game hoist intro so that we also talked about the album hoist and that's going to be the next segment that you hear but anyway the the important thing is that you went to new york and i was like oh this will be great there'll be a great new year show and then we'll talk about game hoist and everything will be fine and then they fucking played Game Henge, dude. They this is getting the explicit tag, just so you know. There's gonna be adult language. They fuck. They actually. <laughs> they played Game Henge for real. They actually did it. Um, but uh, uh, of course we have to also start with what I wanted to start with, <laughs> which is that you went and saw the 28th and 29th, and I want to hear about that. Then we have to talk about Game Henge. And and the implications of this, and then yeah, there's there's a lot. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long it's gonna be a long night, man. So <laughs> strapping in. Okay, so let's start with this. You went to the twentieth and 29th. Correct. T- tell 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 me how it was. Tell tell me how it went. Um, I was on I was heavy on webcast duty for all four nights. Honestly, the most fun I've had webcasting a New Year's ever, and I've been doing it for twelve years. <laughs> Yeah, I went to nights one and two with um, Silent Third podcaster Mike, as you Shout know. Out. Um, stayed at his wonderful apartment in the great city of New York, greatest city on the planet. Uh, and they were fantastic, as you would expect. Um, first night was pretty great, but, you know, it was still like them getting their feet off the ground. Uh, as usual but um second set got pretty weird but for the most part it was just a a good setup for the next night which was the 29th and yeah i liked the music on the second night the most that was pretty crazy i can't even think of some of the songs from the second night at the moment which is unfortunate uh was that the, the well? Maze okay, so so stash? for me on the on the webcast side, what's so just to keep it at the twentieth and 29th quick. You were there, so I don't want to be whatever. I prefer the twenty eighth. I thought the twenty eighth was the second best night of the run. Actually, oh, you're crazy, um, I know, buddy. 
<laughs> I mean, um, I I like the 29th second set a ton. That's the chalk dust, oblivion. What's these? Right, chalk dust. Sand. Chalk dust was freaking good. Yeah, um, but I'm not. I didn't really like the first set that much from that night. I got I, I liked it okay, but free MoMA maze evolve. Okay, stash was nuts. I'll give you that. Stash was nuts. Maze was that pretty was good too. Theme Maze was all right. Uh, Mountains, Mountains in the uh, mist. You know, I can't. That's my new song that I'm never going <laughs> to avoid. I guess I'm going to just see that song forever. <laughs> I liked it the first now. time I heard it, and I liked it yeah. the second time, and now I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I finally saw sand. The drift while you're sleeping as a set one closer thing. <gasps> Just not not a fan. I, I gotta say, I don't mind it as a song. I actually think that there's, I kind of like the composed parts of it, but the whole, I don't know. I'm just well. I I, I'll say, yeah, I'll say this in uh, going along with your line of thinking. It does have like an oddly long nature to it to make it a set closer. Yeah, and it, I just don't think it. Um, it's funny because I know you're not a big Walls of the Cave guy, and it has that same kind of vibe to me where it's like it's a little too slow to begin with and kind of go through to to be like a like I, I like when they you know say like the 28th where they close with Ghost, <laughs> like something like that where it just lends itself more to that kind of I don't know like um, I just I I like the 20 the the second set of the 28th was fantastic I I thought that that was great. I'll give you totally give you that. Yeah, so I was gonna say we should talk about the thing. So you went to were you in the were you on the bridge for night one? Yeah. Where else would I be? Among the peasants. <laughs> yeah, but I hope people from .NET end up listening to this and hear me say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Among the the riffraff down there, while you're yeah. up high in the in the yeah. King Wilson spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then down the on 29th, you were down by the. Um, nope. No, were you on the bridge for that as well? Yes, yes. I don't. Um, I don't deign to to go among the common people anymore. <laughs> yes. yeah. I go straight for the bridge and just rock it. You know, a lot of space up there. A lot of space. James you Brown know, would always take him to the people. bridge. So I mean, if you're there, you know, yeah. why not? Yeah. I did make sure to ask the ultimate question when we got there: of where is the confounded bridge? Where, <laughs> where is that? Confounded where is that bridge? confounded bridge? Okay, nice. Okay, so you were up, so you're on the bridge for both nights. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, was there like a different vibe between either of the night? Like, was there like a different, um, or was it? Yeah, a little bit. I would say the first night we did have a couple security guards that were around us that weren't hassling us, but they were very attentive which uh, always makes me a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to take out my candy. Um, <laughs> as you know, I haven't really been listening to too much fish due to my, uh, yeah. as we mentioned last episode, the musical quest. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that yeah. was, I just put out the game hinge part, but you're going to hear all about that folks. And it's going to be, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> There was kind of an emergency. I was like, I can't put out the game engine part in February now. If they like literally, <laughs> that seems weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So you were more you were more in the zone on the, on the second night, and that helped out right. with kind of the vibe of like I was a little more woken because, up to it. Yeah. Also no, I about you. to run on the second night too. Oh my goodness! Trey I mean, was I'm always just a fan. Hot. He was hot. Hot. hot, hot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just, um, I mean, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a matter of what it is, and, and um, we'll probably end up doing episodes about those shows. Um, but we got to talk about the game bench thing. <laughs> I just, we can't not talk about it. Um, Did I, something happen? They actually uh, played it. Uh, oh, wow. I know you were keeping track. Like over um, the speakers? Just, uh, just They just <laughs> talked about it. You know what's hilarious too when when the uh Harpua thing started when when Harpua started I was like well okay this will be a you know a great kind of letdown for people who at that point I had yes. included myself like there's a chance though right <laughs> cuz once they went through you know once they got through uh whatever that is you know seven sets of no game hen songs including like bag and wilson and stuff that they could have taken out you're like hmm i mean there's at least some chance hmm. and <laughs> you know that was where i was at i was still but then when they played harpua i was like okay this is a good letdown right it's like all right they're not gonna do it but we got harpua you know and that's good and then I don't know, man. Like, I know you were, you were, and this is also a great place to be. You were at Carmine's in New York, just like digging into <laughs> awesome Italian food. Cool, man. <laughs> if Jeez. Carmine's, if you want to sponsor the podcast, email us at five fins mailbag. Yeah, email. please do and send us P-H-I-V. food. Yeah, we don't even need money. We just want the vodka. I just want vodka penne just delivered to my. <laughs> Watching the webcast, like they, in, in, you know, like, cause we're going to, I, I'm, I meant, I'm going to mention some of this during the show just cause I think it's interesting because it, the whole conceit of the gag was that like, you know, you haven't gotten the full story and then Annie Golden came out by the way, the shirts, you know, shout out to, uh, Annie Golden. You, you ever listen to the shirts by any chance? Um, no, the, the band, the shirts, they, they were a CBGB era punk band. Like that Annie Golden. And that Annie Golden sang in. So, it, you know, she's in the female seminal punk band and Game Henge. That's like, that's legend status right there. That's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's rad. Check out the debut album if you haven't. I, I thought that the gag conceit was hilarious. And it was funny because when they did Harpua and he kind of went into the, you know, uh, <laughs> like, you know, Jimmy's dad has always been saying this and that. I just thought it would become, I still didn't feel that somehow. I was like, we, it's got to just be going into some weird other thing, right? You know, like when they're doing some crazy New Year's like clone, <laughs> not obviously not actual, you know, something along those lines or some crazy visual gag. But then uh, he hands the record to Jimmy and she puts it on and they did the man who stepped in yesterday. And the Ramos comes up and she's like, Jimmy, it's time. And I'm like, oh no, I can't. I, I was like levitating on my body. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I, I realize I care probably too much about GameHenge, but I thought it was just everything they did was immaculately kind of done and conceived. Um, So you watched, I, I called you because I was making sure you weren't <laughs> actually there. <laughs> Uh, but you ended up seeing like kind of the end of the second set, right? And then from then on, is that the idea? Yes. Well, we we came in um, for punch you in the eye. Okay. Yeah. Because I've actually watched. I've actually rewatched it and then re-listened a bunch of times. Um, yeah. It's uh, he he. Uh, I have to say on the game hinge. So we put up the 
us talking about game hand from the one we recorded on december 23rd and uh you know we played this game called what is a game hinge song (laughs) and i gotta say we we nailed that game like okay we we both were like kind of on harpua like we were on no on harpua that was that looks rough now i still kind of think it's they don't all take place in game hinge so i think we're sort of high but that doesn't look you know that's like uh we're like Skip Bayless after LeBron wins a title or something. We don't look good. <laughs> you can make excuses, but it's not looking. It's not looking good on that. But everything else we nailed. Like the, yeah, um, well, there we missed how many stones? We missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Because I didn't realize that melt. Actually, eight. I didn't realize that Auld Lang Sign split open a melt. Yem Loving Cup Possum Cavern First Tube and Twee Prize were also part of Game Hedge. Because they yeah. never really did the end of Harpua. So does that mean that those are also part of Game Hedge now? Well, this is going to be an interest, and this is going to go on, not just between us, but the fan base in general. Because yeah. yeah. they lowered the rhombus after Split Open and Melt. So I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think Yem, Loving Cup, and then it's funny with Possum, right? Because we talked about that. That's on the tape. <laughs> Good and, point, yes. You know, I mean... There's something interesting about that because I want to look at, let me look at this really quickly. Okay, the first time they played Game Henge, Possum was in there. But I don't even think it's in any of the, I think this was the first time since March 12th of 1988 that Possum was actually included in in a Game Henge set. And at this point, they had already done songs that, I mean, they already done <laughs> a Rolling Stones cover. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> what if Mick Jagger was like, I love Game Henge. That's not a good Have it. Take it, Trey. Take it. You deserve it. <laughs> That's such a bad <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the ah. volcano thing, I was like, what on earth is happening? Yeah, and the uh It's like something the just lizards. a kid comes up with like, and what happened next? Oh, and then it was a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm yeah, that was our I where I was it. a little borderline on like because we talked about so also one we both were like I don't think Exilla or Exilla two count in this and then they did Exilla two, right <laughs> before they so they agree with us on thanks Trey <laughs> shout out <laughs> email us at fivefinsmailbag at gmail dot com Trey does not think that that counts what night did they do that on let me look that up they played didn't they they did Exilla uh, two night? didn't they the first Second night yeah night? so yeah first night yeah I thought we did pretty well because we had um. We didn't do well on Harpua, but we had, uh, obviously we have the, your heavy hitters that are actually in the thing. But then I think we, uh, also included divided sky. I think I was kind of like a half on divided sky, but I'll take the half (laughs) poor half of Gatorade. (laughs) We both had McGrupp in there, which is in a way should have been. And, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we pretty much nailed that. I think so (laughs) kudos to us. We made, we did it. You know, a week before or whatever it was. Uh, I thought that was kind of amazing. Don't you think that's amazing? We actually did that, like, what's a game hinge thing a week before they did it. And we, I don't think we screwed anything up except Harpua, right? Because, yeah, because everything else was like the, um, I was uh, interested and also glad they didn't actually do Esther. They took, of course, the Esther music. That's kind of the background to the whole thing. But they did, they didn't, uh, they didn't actually do that. That would take us too far out of the story. And it's just way too creepy to do on stage with good vibes happening on New Year's Eve. I thought the whole thing was just incredible. Did you? What did you think of the whole like idea of just them doing it? Uh, I it's more controversy. All right. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, I I almost wonder if they did it 
I mean, obviously they wanted to do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. What does it mean? I guess I should just say instead, what does it mean for the sphere? Like, is that just going to be a crazy visuals thing? I didn't know. I, I liked it, though. It was really it was fun. I like that they did it. I guess it's sort of an anniversary way, right? Like, yeah, it's, that's it, it cool. Kind of, I right, it was the 40th anniversary. Was, yeah, I think part of the definitely part of the the idea of doing it. I was you 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 do not seem like you're that into it. <laughs> I gotta be. I, I think being so close to being at the show, and then being yeah. so convinced that like it's not going to happen, and then it does happen, and then I'm watching it, but I'm in like food coma. Uh, I think it just is. I'm still processing. I don't think I've really like had the time to grasp it yeah i get that i mean it's funny because i have had the time but only because of what you're saying like i wasn't at i wasn't there so i think if we were both there we would have been in the same (laughs) kind of place but like i've watched it a bunch and i uh because i'm interested in it and because we're going to do a podcast about it and so i was like well why not you know um really kind of dive into this version of it and i think um you know we're so we're gonna talk about the uh show that this podcast is ostensibly about um in a moment but uh you know i i'm also shocked that they did it i kind of thought that uh you know the only thought I had ever had about it, and I was going to save this for the end of the perspective podcast we were going to do, not knowing that it was going to happen, was that <laughs> if there was ever a chance it'd be like New Year's or Halloween, because they wouldn't just do it at like a normal show, you know? Right. Like they wouldn't just, it wouldn't be like, oh, SPAC night too, they played Game Hinge. Like they're not going to, they they used to do that kind of stuff, right? Like drop I think like part of whole... me would have like thought that was, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. I can't comment on it. I just don't have the... It's, so, because like, I am handles. going to mention stuff during the show because I think it's relevant to the... It'd be... I don't know. It just seems weird to not bring it up. But uh, <laughs> not like I'm going to do the whole thing or whatever. But I just thought the my main takeaway from it, and it, this goes back to the Gamehenge episode we recorded, was like, you know, Gamehenge, the actual tape is like not fun <laughs> it's like really dark and right. like the songs are fun but the narration and all this stuff is really weird and then listening to this show that we're going to do the game hoist show i was like one of my thing takeaways was like this is so much more fun when they do it live because it doesn't divert into the more dark stuff and we'll get into that when we talk about the show but uh this version they just did for new year's is like the fun dial is turned up to 11 <laughs> like they the way he reinvented it and sort of added stuff to it and it also like actually contextualized things that should be involved with it and i'm 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 just so glad that it exists you know putting in things that are that were not in any of the other shows the way that you know any of the other game hinge performances the way they did it but yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Like they, they clearly, as they always do for these, you know, Halloween or New Year's things, they clearly put a lot of time and effort into like making sure it was like, you know, really well done 
and really fun for the fan base. And I was just, I was so, I'm, I'm so into it. And maybe you're right. I think part of it is like, I knew I wasn't going to be there even before they announced, you know, the new year's as a show. Like, so I didn't, I was like, I'm, I committed to webcasting like months ago. So I was like looking forward to it. And like, I don't know, (laughs) Colonel Forbin petting McGrupp at new year's. I'm like, this is the best fucking thing that's ever happened. (laughs) I think I texted you at one point during, I was like, this is the greatest moment in American history. So (laughs) it's clear I was not level-headed involving all the stuff that happened, but I thought it was great. I thought they totally nailed it. I can't believe we like decided to do this podcast and then waited for months yeah, and then crazy. did it. And then they actually played game hinge. Like there's so much, there's so many ramifications, but I do really want to talk about the show. We should get to the yeah. game. One uh, last thing though, I would like to throw an award out there. Um, I'd like to give Colonel Forbin the Gomi for, his performance. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's a very inside joke, but that no one else is listening. So who gives? <laughs> yeah, who, nobody cares anyway. So you gave him the gummy. I was thinking I would have thought See you'd if give you could it to figure the Wilson it out, out there. Lady, I no, I guess that doesn't fit for the gummy award though. That that's a different award. The Skyler. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, you're going to hear us at long last talking about game hoist so stay tuned for more five fins Welcome back to Five Fins. Glad you made it. It's pretty <laughs> snowy out there. So glad you made it. Yeah, we're getting cold <laughs> rain and snow right now. I had rain to do my annual... Snow. Uh, yeah, exactly. My annual tradition is to put on the first track of Dick's Picks Volume 5, Cold Rain and Snow. Ooh. Shout out to Brent Midland. It took a long time this year. It's February 6th here on the... Uh, <laughs> on the five, I'm do, I don't know why I'm doing <laughs> AOR 70s radio right now. Out to all you cool kids and <laughs> cats and kittens out there. What have you my, about one of my uh, bosses gave a, did a meeting the other day and he was calling all of us cats during it. Like, really? I want you cats to be good. Like, yeah, it was the most awkward thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. But I did, <laughs> I, I did want to just walk up to him at some point and be like, at the end of it, and just be like, are you deadhead? You must be a deadhead. Like, I've never heard <laughs> someone who isn't either super into jazz or yeah, some, like, you know, San Francisco. <laughs> you're like Garcia, and he's like, and you're like Miles, and he's like, yeah, and you're like, okay, yeah. cool. I got, I got, I got, there's something. But yeah, that's super random. <laughs> it's got to be unrelated. something between there. And we are actually here. Dan, it's time. We There's no more stalling, <laughs> I swear. 
we're going to talk about the fish performance from June Filibuster. 26th of 1994. <laughs> Filibuster. Do you even know what that means? <laughs> and this show is is known as Game Hoist. I mean, if you Google Game Hoist, it, it like shows up like <laughs> it's a thing. I wanted to, you know, we've done a lot of prep and I will be still maybe to your chagrin, I don't know, be referencing some of the stuff that they did for New Year's. But um, if we're going to do this the way we normally do the show, uh, we're going to play five fins. This is the way we play five fins. We listen to every song. We rank them on a scale from one to five fins in the event, (laughs) which is... It isn't going to happen as much in this show, but in the event that we rank something below a five, um, we uh, add the extra wrinkle that say you rank something at three, then that you can add those extra two fins onto if you choose to. You can they're, they're they're optional to pick up though. Dan always does, don't you, Dan? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's the way he plays the game. I'm more optional. I'm more uh, uh, you know I, I you know I have room to spare, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of an option for me. Um, but uh, you can pin those next extra two fins onto, you know, say the next song or the song after that or whenever you want, or you can keep them around and keep them around. We have, because going into today's episode, Dan, you had 30.6 fins remaining. Wow. Good for good on you. Um, I, I had just 34, like to look at so actually not too many more, really. That's not that many more. So, and I got to say, they're going fast in the in 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 the game hoist show. If we're doing this the way we normally do it, um, had you ever heard the show prior to me recommending it for the podcast? Do you do you remember? Yes, I had at least one. Not sure yeah. when, but I had back heard. in the, back back in the day. Yeah, when I was a teenager. <laughs> Or you had a pager? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be interesting for a rapper to put in uh, a pager flex now. <laughs> you know? Hey. Like, you know how some rappers, they're kind of like going back to the to like the 90s sounds. What if they just started doing like beeper and pager rapper? <laughs> like, we're, we're really doing this. <laughs> we're really going back. It'd be like, what is a pager? <laughs> Can't wait to hear him on my walk, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not probably not that far away from just time is just completely canceled and people are just like, you know, they're like, I made I made a mix CD and you're like, oh no, <laughs> we might have stepped through, <laughs> we stepped through the, the through the mirror, uh, and here we are. Um, we're about to do the show that took place. I've already said it, but I don't care. June twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four. That was at the Municipal Auditorium in Charlotte's, Charleston, West Virginia. I'm not paid to pronounce. I'm not paid at all, but I'm certainly not paid to pronounce things. Um, <laughs> West Virginia. You and I drove through West Virginia. Do you recall that? I do. Very yeah. briefly. We listened to we listened a to song to... that's going to yeah. appear in the show because I listened to all the Fish Bluegrass songs, and I was like, that's really cool because I actually totally forgot that this was in West Virginia. Um... <laughs> oh, we listened to that song while you were going through? I didn't even realize that. Not this version of it, but yes. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll get to that admittedly much later in the pod, but so this is game hoist. Set one is game hinge. Set two is hoist. So the game hinge set on June 26th of 1994 opens with Kung (laughs) and how. So I did a lot of statistical work for this because I am a serious podcaster sometimes. Serious podcaster (laughs) Kev. That's what they call you. (laughs) Since I was a baby, they called me that. (laughs) <laughs> it's weird because there weren't really podcasts. They were just like, he's 
you can look at him and just know. <laughs> yeah. He's got doctor was like, he's growing up to be a podcaster, mom. <laughs> and they were like, did you say what porn star? And they said, no, podcaster. And he was like, all right, is that better or worse? <laughs> is that like a sci-fi movie? Is that like a <laughs> Battlestar Galactica reference? Yeah, it's that. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I only speak English. Can you read me? <laughs> no. Um... Get away from my child, nerd. <laughs> yeah. No Star Trek in this family. No, that's not true. We're a pro Star Trek podcast, aren't we? Yep. Um, anyway, uh, we open with Kung. They played five versions of Kung in 1994. 1994 numbers, we, we're back to the baseball steroids era. They're, it's just insane. They played right. 124 shows, so there's a lot of stuff. They played five versions of Kung. This is the third one. They've played 39 versions of Kung overall. Um, I gave this the lowest rating I gave anything in set one. And by that, I mean, I gave it five fins. <laughs> so I gave it five fins. <laughs> what did you rank Kung, Dan? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I gave Kung a four. The gauntlet is down. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, it was wonderful. I love that song. It's super funny and it makes me laugh. Well, I did. I thought it was like an auto four territory type of song. So, <laughs> I went with a four. What we have here? No, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I just, I I think it's. As uh, the opposite the, of what they say in the song, sit down, Kev. I need you to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> they asked you to night. call upon your bolt, and what did you do? You gave it a four. <laughs> just think about that <laughs> when you go to bed tonight. Um I mean, I just, I, Kung is kind of in the Iculus like auto five for me where I'm like, what am I Mm. ranking this? You know what I mean? It's just like, (laughs) it's just great. And the thing I like about it is that Kung, um, so might as well talk about it in conjunction with the next one, which is Llama. Um, Llama was performed 26 times in 1994. That's the 15th. They performed 319 versions of Llama. And I should say they performed 320 versions because I did these stats before they played Game Hinge in its entirety for new year's um what i like the the pairing here is awesome because it it gives you the weird kung energy and then the big slam into llama and i think i'm kind of rating them both on that and they both got fives for me um what's funny is that uh you know in terms of the live performance like looking at this just as a live tape remo- removing the game hinge and all that stuff um, this is a move they would like to do where they would do something weird and then slam in a llama. The Murat Theater gig, Murat, Murat, again, I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce things. Um, that show has a similar thing, but lengthwise, where they do lengthwise, it's just Fishman singing lengthwise nice. and then they slam in the llama. This is a move they like to do and it's a great way to get into Game Hinge, I think, because, you know, Kung, you can sort of passively at least sort of pass off uh, as being a Game Hinge track. Uh, that is the one song in this entire set that they did not do at the <laughs> at the New Year's Game Hinge at MSG. Um, every other one they do in this set was performed. And, you know, I think it's, I, I had it as a half when we did our Is This a Game Hinge game. Uh, so I feel half vindicated, just like I feel half in <laughs> that I thought <laughs> Divided Sky was. But uh, I liked this as a pairing. I thought these were kind of like, this is like a co five situation for me. We can stage a runaway golf cart marathon. Stand up! 
speeding ticket so i went with four and a half i uh uh-huh. as you know i i like to stir the pot so i am a slow llama guy i don't have to defend myself that's what i gotta say you really do that. though because it's like the craziest take yeah but i i appreciate yeah it, that's though. fine i mean it's good for content you know except there's the gonna be some good contents coming later i think on my end so it's good to get yours out of you know that that uh this is crazy though i mean the um the thing about the performance of this and and uh you know i i like page a lot on on this i've heard llamas that are technically i gave it a five and it might just be the enthusiasm of the show but i've heard llamas that are like maybe technically better than this from the tray perspective but i thought page was was really good on this and um I want to give him some flowers because I'm going to be giving another band member a lot of flowers in this performance. And I wonder if you know <laughs> who that is. got your flowers. Do you remember when we were driving through New Orleans on the aforementioned trip? And no. uh, they, uh, we were listening to the lengthwise <laughs> into Llama. And you said you were just sitting in the passenger seat going, faster! faster. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. I don't. Um, I don't remember that at all. That's really funny. In my old age, I've gotten boring. <laughs> so the um same so the so then we drop into the narration and um in so we talked about the game hinge tape on the last ep <laughs> good ep you know there's a big difference here between there's a lot of differences technically between this show and the tape not nearly as many granted as there were in the new year's show which kind of like reinvented the whole thing in a way and included a bunch of songs in the narrative like the way they inc- included uh llama in the narrative of the msg show was like during the middle of the action you know during the actual action of the game hinge saga whereas Llama had appeared in other Gamehenge um, shows, but was always kind of like, so there's this one and then the next one at uh, uh, Great Woods in Mansfield, which was the last one that was at 7, 8, 1994. That's the last one before. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's the last one before 12, 12, <laughs> 12 31, 2023. Um, and that one opened with Llama. This one, Llama is the second song. So it was never really included as part of the actual sort of like um, saga itself, but it was sort of floating around there. Now with the New Year's one, it's kind of been absorbed into that. So there's a lot of differences between that. But in terms of the actual game host show, he sort of positions this as like, all right, well, this is a story about battle. And, let's t- and let me tell you why there's a battle going on. Right, and then he goes into the whole uh, thing about Colonel Forbin, and basically the difference between the narration, and I think I mentioned this in the Game Hinge episode, is that the difference in when he's doing it live is he kind of positions you as Colonel Forbin, which makes a lot of sense, I think, to, for an audience. He's like, okay, so Colonel Forbin does this, he does that. It makes more sense, I think, than 
trying to sort of be this omniscient narrator. Um, but, uh, he basically does sort of a, the whole thing is basically like the narration is basically truncated versions of what you get on the original tape. Um, I, I personally think that this show is much better than the tape and I'm guessing you agree with me on that. Do you agree with me on that? Yes. (laughs) And because you feel, uh, how how do you feel uh, maybe we can do this now and then we can do a little like uh, overall do you prefer the storytelling mode like the way he does the storytelling on this compared to the tape yeah i mean i do like the dark nature of the tape obviously like in a non-live setting you can like really get it into that um but yeah there's just uh it's an it's interesting hearing the this version of the story and i think like the energy of it is just a little more there like it's not a thesis it's not he's not uh you know he's not like it's he's performing his senior thesis at the show he is doing that but um there's an energy to it that you don't get from the tape oh yeah I mean, energy is definitely the thing you get from this tape. <laughs> energy, <laughs> <You know? laughs> not the not them covering the Apples and Stereo song. Energy that would take. <laughs> a, oh, they do that a little later. No, um, yeah, it's a very energetic tape. It's so funny because I went back and edited that uh, game hinge segment we did, and one of the things you and I both kind of agreed on, I thought, was like, like as a mythology, there either needed to be like more or less. But when you listen to the tape, it's like it just fits in this weird range where you're like, this isn't a, it's cool. Right. Cause it like explains cool fish songs that we already like, but it's not like a totally satisfying narrative or story. <laughs> yeah. Um, even with the addition, the, the, with the addition of this new, like you said, and I'll agree with you on this too. It's like, I haven't even, even I've spent a lot more time with it, but like the, even the new, the new addition to this, is still sort of like <laughs> I, I'm not sure that the, again. Like I think I mentioned, I'm like I'm not sure this would get greenlit by like the MCU or something, you know. <laughs> but with I thought that this is where I will totally give the New Year's thing credit. Is I I really liked how it tied in these songs and added other elements to them. Where when you listen to this tape, for me now, you know. And granted, it's like if you're first getting into fish and you're getting into Game Hinge, and they just played Game Hinge, and this is you're gonna listen to Game Hoist, and it's awesome, right? I don't want to take that away <laughs> in any way. <laughs> For me, the narration parts feel less essential because they're just sort of like signposts along the way. And if you already kind of know the general story, he's basically just right. summarizing it, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know if you did you feel at a certain point you were like, yeah, I don't know if I even want to the narration parts. I just kind of want the songs. Um. Yes and no. I mean, I could listen to it. Like, if there was no narration, I I would still listen to it and still enjoy it. But I do like the narration, just aesthetically. Oh yeah, no, I I I love it. But is what I guess my thing is like. Um, what's funny is that the tape. I, I guess this is what I mean. I I love the narration too. It's technically the thing that makes it the most important thing in this show, right? I mean, them doing hoist as a full album is cool. But if they had just done that with a normal second set, like people wouldn't care that much about this show, right? You'd just be like, oh, they did that. 
you know, there's a show from like 95. They do a bunch of songs from Billy Breeds, you know, like there's <laughs> like they, they did stuff like that before, but to do game hinge and then to do your new album is, is there people are paying attention to the game hinge part. <laughs> I think primarily, um, I, my own opinion about this is kind of like, you know, I, I, I totally love the narration parts and it's very interesting, but when we talked about, does it need more or less, I think we also actually directly mentioned like, well, add more to the lore, you know, like take, yeah, take and and, th- and that's what they did at new year's. Like they made llama part of it and they did, you know, and they changed the way the slot thing goes and they did all this stuff. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was kind of the missing piece was like somewhere between the tape, which is kind of, it's cool, but it's like frigid. It's, there's something about it that's sort of, it's it's interesting to listen to but it's not a it's not a thrill ride <laughs> it's sort of um you know almost encyclopedia reading, <laughs> reading an encyclopedia or something so but then the the live version gives you a lot less and i thought that like the game voice version gives you a lot less and i thought that was like a good comp before i heard <laughs> what they did for new years <laughs> i thought that that was like a great idea was like yeah just kind of summarize the story and then give great performances and they do and the the performances are just phenomenal so um we get the whole you know we 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 get the narration and then lizards comes in um which is always the beginning of the story um the 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 thing about lizards to me just if we're just so i'm going to talk about like just the performance and then rate that and then you can talk and then we'll i'll do the narration or performance I'll mention a tiny bit about the MSG thing and then we'll do the uh, rating and then um, I'll do the narration. How about that? <laughs> Let's go that way. Okay. So uh, I gave lizards uh, all five fans and an extra one. <laughs> I love the lizards very much. Um, and it's just a great song. It's cool to hear it uh, earlier on in a set. I think I mentioned that in the game hunch episode that because it's the start of the, the start of the whole saga. Um, you know, it, it always comes earlier, whereas usually right in a fish show, it's like late, especially in the 3.0, 4.0, usually at the end of a show to hear it kind of earlier on in a set, I think is always great. Uh, I wonder if they'll think about that now that they did it. The main thing I thought about this version listening to it was when we listening to the tape and then coming back to the show, it's, it's crazy how great page has become from 1987 to 1994. And great that that's, you know, that's a decent amount of time. Um, and he's been playing in this band and touring all the time and doing this, but the, it's so Paige is just incredible on this. And I, I feel like I, I just always love what he does with these. He, he's really kind of like all over the game hinge stuff, um, which is interesting because it was really a totally Trey conceived Trey and uh, to a degree, Tom Marshall conceived thing. Um, and, but I, I, Paige is just so good on so many of these, these songs and I, and, and lizards is great. I thought this was a good performance and they also do a great, um, you know, descending into really, really quiet and then coming into very loud. And they're, they're, they're all over those dynamics. That's a big part of like 92 through 95 fish is those dynamic changes. They really like being really quiet and then really loud, you know, in the same song, like foam is a big example of that. But uh, to hear that in lizards is great because that, song has kind of been codified as sort of what it is they don't really do that kind of thing anymore with that with this but where it breaks down to like very little (laughs) 
like lizards a lot. I gave it six fins. What do you think? Um, yeah, I also like lizards, um, the creatures and the song. Uh, I <laughs> gave lizards a five point one. Um, I added the extra point one because I prefer versions of lizards where when they say "and so he sunk," that it's not the one note. I prefer the sound of the actual sinking, like a boo 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 and that is uh, that is the entire reason I added the point one. Um, but yeah, Leo, pretty good in this show, heating up. Heating up. You would have gone with six if they had if they did you drop it a point nine because of the uh, or you did, or you added the point one. I added. The point. Oh, because the, oh, you because you liked the way it went. Okay. I yeah. yes, right. Did I mention that they played lizards three hundred twenty six times? This is the twelfth version out of twenty four. Wow. Um, in yeah this is i mean i just i think this is great and then so because of the way he's doing the narration in the show which is different than so the tape begins with the whole this you know the trees and birds and rocks and like it begins with the whole explanation of what game hunt is this um doesn't do that and it just kind of drops you in and then after lizards he sort of begins the whole thing of like uh, what game hand is and who Wilson is and all of that stuff. And he's locked the book in the tower and da 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 da. There was thousands of years where this place was peace and tranquility, and they had this book called the Helping Friendly Book that kind of told them the ways to live in peace and harmony with nature. Um, until at one point in time, this traveler came along, and his name was Wilson, and he, being from another from another part of the world, saw the opportunity here. He saw how naive these people. Were. And then. Uh, so he kind of does it as like a, you are Colonel Forpin. What would you do? Um, so uh, by the way, when he mentions Wilson in this little, cl- uh, this little narration passage, I feel like somebody boos <laughs> when he says Wilson. <laughs> and I'm really wondering if it's the same guy we're going to get to in a second who does the Wilson chant. But uh, it'd be really funny if that, if that was David, if that's, if David Steinberg, if that's you email us at five fins, mail that at gmail.com. And also buddy, Teal is not a spy. It was a confirmed congrats to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that uh, one thing that's funny about the narration compared to the tape, and also even compared to the New Year's version, because the New Year's version also had this kind of uh, truncated, like different, uh, they're, you know, changing things and explaining things differently. But they did this really well in both the Game, Hen- Game Hoist version and the uh, New Year's version compared to the actual tape is they kind of summarize the story quicker, where the tape is very like, he dragged the blade off his cold, creamy skin. By the way, Trey was reading, I don't know if you noticed this in the show, or I guess maybe you weren't watching it, at the very beginning when they did Man Who Stepped In, he, he was playing Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday after the rhombus went up, and he actually did start reading from the original tape. But then they abandoned, he abandoned that almost immediately, as far as I can tell, for the MSG show. But <laughs> both the Game Boy show and the tape version are, or sorry, both the New Year's version they just did and the game hoist uh, tape we're listening to the narrations are a lot shorter and more to the point and they miss details obviously and like certain parts of the story but like it makes sense because they're doing it in a live context where you're just trying to highlight the songs and like the fun nature of the songs um so i thought this was pretty pretty amazing and uh 
you know, I, I'm, I, I like the narration because he like when he just, when he cuts the narration part short, like, uh, he's like, Oh, Rutherford jumps in the way. He's not too smart. This guy, he was like literally a quote from, he's not too smart. This guy, it's very like, it goes like Sopranos at times. Like, so anyway, this guy did this thing, you know, it's very like summarizing the story. He killed um, 33 Czechoslovakians. <laughs> this fucking guy jumps right into the fucking water with his armor on. But uh, he does just kind of summarize it up in a, in a way that, you know, I think makes it uh, more compelling to listen to than the tape. And again, the tape is like a four track and they were a band, you know, they were just starting out. The songs are slow and there's a weird version like Forbins isn't even apparently written yet <laughs> or something isn't totally done. So it's not a fair comparison, but. I like this a lot. And uh, the narration is still, at this point, we're still pretty close to the canon of what the what it's going to be in terms of, um, you know, the uh, actual um, tape version. It's still, it's still kind of right around that range. That ends up, you know, changing. All right, so we go from Lizards, and then he does the narration, and we go into Tila. Uh, Dan, what did you rank Tila? Um, well, so, uh, please don't throw anything at me. I gave Tila a 4.3. Um, I it's love Leo bad. singing. It's, uh, you know, as I think I've discussed before, it's not my favorite song in the world. The piano work on it is fantastic. I'm curious about the, yeah, it's interesting with the Tila thing. I mean, obviously we, I like it more than you. That that part, I guess we've established. I think we even, what was it? We did like a 2016 show and I was going off about Tila and you're like, yeah, it's, it's fine. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I, 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 I mean, I just love it. And, and the, this version in particular, I thought this is where the flowers are, are growing. Mike is just all over this set and show in general but he is so so good in this and i mentioned before that um it was the episode we did with the the 1994 show i didn't even mention this we did that 1994 show was like five days before this this is 626 i think that was 621 i didn't realize that (laughs) until i'd already like researched the show enough i was like i don't care uh but but uh in that show, I remember that split open and melt version. I was like, I never really was, you know, I always kind of associate Mike with like the funky late nineties going into now and the early stuff being a little bit, not, not that he's not good, but you know, just that he doesn't really stand out as much. Cause they're all like, as Fishman once famously, famously said, you know, until the late nineties, we were just all chasing Trey around the room. And that's the way I kind right. of picture the music. But Mike is like, so in charge of this. Like, I just think he is, playing so well and he has this i wrote down that he has this like jaco pastorius vibe going on at the beginning that is not usually his tone is usually this kind of like you know like this different like flatter more like funky it's sort of like it's hard to describe and he talks about it in the in the in that little video he does where he just you know where they describe all their like gear and stuff that he's like yeah that's the Jocko sound I don't do that and that's like you know from recently but like when 
going back to this 94 tape, like he's got, he's got that side of it. Right. I, it might just be him finger picking uh, or not, uh, not using a pick. Honestly, it might just be that he's like using his fingers and that's what I'm picking up on. But I thought he was great. And then Trey coming in on the guitar part when, you know, those really fast things at the end that really benefits from the tone and pace. They were doing these things at the time. still love when they do Tila now and I thought that the MSG version wasn't just incredible I mean everything about it I thought was so great and just uh, I mean I like we were, we're gonna need a whole podcast to talk about this or something but just it was funny that I did like when it says uh she rides like the wind on the multi-beast I'm like the multi-beast moved pretty slow actually it took a really long time to get from the back slow breeze it was it was Jennifer. the same as, yeah. It was, the beast on which she rides like the gentle breeze. Yeah, rides like a very slow golf cart moving. <laughs> but no, it was. I mean, the fact that on the tape, he's like, I think he says it's a three tone, three headed, two toned multi beast, and they like built <laughs> like it's <laughs> like like you know. There's there aren't other bands doing this forty years into their career, right? I mean that you two will do the sphere or some shit, right? But like outside of that, it's like, you know, we're gonna go out there and, do, and like these guys are just putting in. They're like, let's reinvent this thing that's not even really a band thing. That's kind of just <laughs> like everybody wants this, and but I yes, t- I loved the MSG version of this, but um, what I was thinking the difference uh, with comparing. Uh, the one they just did and the Game Boy show is I was like, what this show lacks in kind of the pageantry of what they did, like actually having, you know, Tila fly through the air and Foreman like longing for her like as real acting and all that's like like this what it lacks in that it makes up for in a lot of ways, I think, with the passion of just how fast and crazy this stuff is and like Trey coming in that guitar part I don't know. I mean, whatever. I'm. This is the th- kind of thing. I'm just a huge, huge. This is why I listen to mid '90s fish shows. Is like to listen to stuff like this. So, I'm a really big fan, and I gave this seven fins. <laughs> so there you go. I generally like the live versions of their stuff more than the planned out studio stuff, though. There's only a couple songs that I feel like goes the other way. We might get to one later in the podcast, I think. Um, oh, maybe. The Tila narration happens. Um, and then um, <laughs> I like when Trey, he has to kind of, they go back to, by the way, the, the bed of the audio that they're doing is always that Esther thing. It's the boom, 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 thing that that's the basis of the what fans call the flying jam from Esther. Um, right. Great, just beautiful <laughs> Trey music. Just him writing that in the eighties is so cool. Um, so, and then he was, and then I, I'm thinking he put it in Esther, right? Because he was like, "Well, this whole game hinge thing, 
you know, Mike's put the kibosh on this. We're not going to do it. Because, I mean, can we just talk about that? The whole thing that was for years what they're not going to do because Mike doesn't want to do it. And then you see Mike petting McGrupp on the head. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. You just wanted to clear um, his name. Yeah, that's Mike says yes. Um, I liked when the narration starts because uh, Trey is like, um, he does this thing where he's like, so are we all following? You're all following this? <laughs> you know, it's very like, and I kind of feel for him. Like we did the last episode and I was like, yeah, it is really hard to uh, briefly describe to people what this story is. If they're not just listening to the, you know, the actual tape version, right. You have to kind of summarize it. It's like, we're all following this. Okay. So he's here. He's like, we're all, you know, four wins. This is where on the actual tape, there was that weird, like, composition part that we mentioned we talked about um and obviously that's not there um but we just kind of zoom right to t uh forbin and tila are at the rebel camp and i like his description of aaron wolf he describes him as a little guy a little guy and a tiny guy i think within like 10 words (laughs) is this guy is a little guy and i look down at this little guy and they come up towards him and he's this tiny guy and he's kind of holding his fist up there in anger. <laughs> he's like, he's a little guy, you know, like a little, a little, a little tiny guy. Like, it's like, we get it. Diminutive. I understand. I think I know where this so is So is he supposed to be small? Yeah, he's a small, he's not, a, he's not large. We know Not that a big guy. Not a big guy. Just a little guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we go into Wilson. <laughs> we go into Wilson. I gave this five fins. I, I think it's great. Yeah, um, yeah. I did too. I I love the I, your your hero has to be that guy who starts the Wilson chant. You hear this one person who's clearly like they go didn't didn't, and this just one guy goes. Yeah, someone gets it. <laughs> and you're always big on this, like, well, I like this version of bathtub gin, but they don't do the thing, and I'm like, well, that didn't exist yet. This guy has to be your hero, right? He's 14 yeah, yeah. seconds in. <laughs> he's all over it, and I, I really appreciate him. I, I hope he's um, the same guy that comes up later in the show, too. There's another thing like towards the very end of the show that happens, and I hope it's the same person just because that would make him an all-around great human being. Um, but <laughs> right. you know what I love the most about this, Wilson, though, is actually the um, intro with the narration over the um, butt-ump, butt-umps. Uh, yeah. It just sounds so cool when they do that i wish they would just do that all the time that would be awesome not even talk about wilson necessarily they could just say whatever yeah. they could just tell a random story you'll do green eggs and ham for all i care but it just sounds so cool <laughs> when people talk when like you hear trey talking over that that'd be like yeah like the beginning of, they could do like a like what they do at the beginning of harpoo like well here we are you know yeah yeah <laughs> you know, it has to welcome to back everybody yeah you know that end yeah that would be rad i mean the thing is now when they then they remember the time yeah trey they wouldn't have played, any time now they'd be screwed they'd, yeah cause remember the time da-dun. trey There's literally no by accident was tuning in the guitar and he went <laughs> and people went wills and he literally had to go on the microphone like, no, 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 no 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 sorry no. sorry <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't think it would work um yeah i i i just trey is just so good in in this era i mean yeah that's not breaking news, but hearing uh, these songs, it's kind of a great contrast, right? Cause you get the, if you're listening to the tape, 
you get like the 80s like the you know the very like early period of them 94 you get like the fiery tray lead everything's you know that version and then they just did it for new year's so it's like the new updated versions of things and that's like uh and, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about the version of Wilson they did at New Year's. It's just so, I mean, this band, man, like, holy shit. They, they, they just keep, like, reinventing themselves in totally new ways. And, like, yeah, you can nitpick this, that, the other. But, like, holy shit, right? Like, it's just so crazy, like, that they're able to do this. And I, 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 I love this version of Wilson. And I think Trey is, I think this is you know, in a lot of ways, I guess 94, 95 is Trey pretty much at the peak of, you know, they're, they're still in this era where he's, I think of it like the animal farm, you know, some, you know, all, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others, you know, like Trey's they're, they're heading towards that equality thing and Paige and Mike and fish are better for it. But Trey is still the man. Um, Again, I love Mike all over this set and all over the show. It's a Mike MVP show for me, but I wrote down just Trey in capital letters. I love Wilson. <laughs> it fits so well in here. We're doing game hoist. Let's it's a new year. Let's do this. I gave it six fans. <laughs> so now we're into the narration. So there's a little, little slight differences, not too much worth um worth mentioning. Uh there's a messenger who shows up who talks about the whole bag thing i think that's slightly different than what's in the narration but generally speaking kind of the same thing um the big story detail that's missing between game game uh, the game hinge tape and game hoist and uh, also the new year's show and probably uh, every version i'd have to go through but i think every live version is there's no kind of real mention of the whole roger situation which is kind of a major plot point <laughs> in the game hinge tape right. that roger getting killed is sort of aaron wolf's motivation for performing these actions that's not included i think better for it because i think it just takes out it takes you out of the story um and like i said before we did the game hinge tape i didn't even really realize the whole aaron wolf roger thing <laughs> Uh, I just didn't know that part of it. Um, it's interesting to know. I, I'm glad that it's in the backstory. It does make it more of a rich story. But, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty amazing. Is somebody, I don't know if you picked up on this part of the narration. Is there somebody heckling Trey briefly during this? Oh. Because somebody, somebody <laughs> yells. Was, I didn't some, hear it. But Mr. Palmer hates Wilson just as much as everybody else. So what he's been doing is he's been illegally channeling funds from Wil Wilson's money there and sending it off to the revolutionaries unfortunately wilson catches on to all this. there's somebody yells something along the lines of as far as i can tell something like play rock and roll or something like that and i i can't tell if it's like a <laughs> like a joke and this would have been before they played this in you know the, the velvet underground song, rock and roll so i think it was like i think somebody's getting a little antsy in the in the west virginia audience i'm not sure funny part of the tape though a um, this the by the way department. By the way, if you read any of the fish.net uh, comments, not a well-attended show. Uh, <laughs> somebody says something like, we pulled it into the parking lot and we thought the parking lot would fill up and then it didn't. <laughs> we just walked right in. <laughs> so that's super fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so Bomber, the ACDC back thing, we covered that in Game Hedge. 
pretty much the same in this. Uh, there's going to be a lot of egregious differences after this, but up until now, more or less the same version. It's truncated. It's, you know, they cut out the Roger thing, but pretty much the same. We go into ACDC bag. I just wrote down some good ass mid nineties fish. I think that's all I got. <laughs> it's yeah, just so good. That's pretty it's much so sums great. it up for me. I still gave it an extra I just, fin. I would say, I yeah. Gave it six. Oh yeah, did right. you go? Yeah. Go figure. Is this a new version of five fins where it just goes to six now? <laughs> um, I went with a five. Um, I love that long note that he plays. I love anytime Trey holds a note, but the the one where normally it would be yeah. like the bend part. Um, that was uh-huh. freaking awesome. And I also um, just on, want on Trey. There. If Trey's listening, I just want him to know that I'll uh. I'll put more than money where my mouth is. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Zero days. Zero days without a reference. (laughs) We can't get through one episode. Um, Nor should we. Nor should we. they've expected at this point uh by the way uh there have been 329 versions of acdc bag did you know that i did not oh actually it's 330 what am i saying i should add i have to add so 330 and that's and wilson 299 now the next wilson will be the 300th wilson that's cool they did 29 wilsons in 1994 (laughs) this is 13 they did uh 13 versions of bag this is seven i actually would have thought more right yeah, the the uh, I don't know. I think that you know some of this is like the we're doing the game hinge, you know, game hoist show and all this stuff. But like when it comes to something like bag, once the song starts, I guess this is what I meant with the narration thing. It's like I love the narration. It's what makes the show. I know it's what makes it important. Once the song starts, it's just listening to awesome '94 fish, though. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way I feel about it. Like I'm like, oh, this is um it's cool that he's basically using these narrate little narrations to get to all these cool songs as opposed to either the new year show that just happened or the original tape where it feels more of a piece of a concept. That's not to take away from it. This being a great show. It's just sort of like, he's not as committed to the mythology <laughs> clearly at this time. Um, but that's under, I mean, it's, they're still doing it like what, you know, years later. So it's not, it's not, um, do, do you feel the energy I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, all right, and here, let me explain this part to you as well. Right. Yeah. I like, I mean, like you said, it, it just kind of, uh, it's necessary. Not not to have people following it necessarily, because of course, you know, if you're into fish, into fish, odds are you know the story. So they don't have to do it. But I, I think it does make it feel a lot more cohesive when you actually hear the narration. Yeah. And I think it's sort of like you need to do it if you're going to do all these songs in order. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. can't just like be like, oh, oh we're going to do that um, and and just not explain it. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you could technically, but it, it would be sort of weird because there are songs, you know, when they do McGrupp later, like 
that references things earlier. So it'd be weird if you brought that up and didn't bring up the other things. So I think that, that, that kind of makes sense <laughs> that they, that he would decide it's either we're doing, you know, a couple of songs in this, you know, despairing, we're going to do ACDC bag and that's it, you know, or we're going to do Wilson later or something. But like, it's another thing to be like, we're doing the whole thing. I also mentioned on the game hinge episode, he used to do this thing, the rhombus narration that basically was like, a summary, a summary of everything that happens in the game hinge saga, and then they would go into divided sky. So that was another <laughs> version of this. So this is like the more advanced. We're going up to a whole set to explain this to you, and I love it because of all the stuff I've already said, and because of our next track, tracks. We'll do Forbins and Mockingbird, Colonel Forbins Ascent. This is the fifth version out of eleven, and then Fly Famous Mockingbird. Uh, they played five more versions of Mockingbird, but I think that's also because they would go in and out of stuff, so it's a little bit of a, a setless chicanery thing. Uh, but uh, either way, this is fantastic. Um, so it's worth it's worth mentioning here. This is by this is the point where he in this show, Trey completely ditches <laughs> anything resembling what happens on the tape, and just kind of cuts out a huge amount of the story. So. You know, the the most important narration on the tape is probably the whole situation where he goes in, where Forbin goes in and he's talking to Tila with the spotted stripers. And then Rutherford comes in and ch- chokes out her, her, her and the <laughs> unit monster and all this stuff. And all of that's gone in this. And he basically just summarizes it to like, you know, back when uh, Forbin was on the thing, writing the multibuse with Tila, he just decided, what if we got the book? <laughs> you know, he just cuts all of that out. And again, I say this almost like it's a bad thing. Like, ah, oh, like I'm trying to like some stupid, like, Oh, it's not Canon or some argument like that. I think this is the right move, right? <laughs> you know, you don't want to have to explain a woman getting choked down on stage while you're having yeah. a fun. Right? <laughs> it's just not a good move. Problematic. <laughs> Do you agree with me on this? Like, like yeah. it's, it's, he's missing. A, there, there's a ton of the story that he's cutting out here, but I get it. <laughs> he's only got one set, you know, trinket and it's also like the it's complicated because of the whole he sees an evil in aaron wolf's eyes but then goes and gets the book so there's this complication where you know in trey's original thesis he describes forbin as this very naive character and that part of the narration in the on the tape originally confirms that but if you just follow the live versions you feel bad for Forbin, right? Because he's like, he's there. And at this point, and he doesn't as far, and I could be wrong about this, but he doesn't describe dying at all. Right. Like, I think that he, uh, I don't think that's part of this particular live version. (laughs) You know, it's just a, it's just a totally different thing where he's sort of like, well, we need to get to like, we need to solve this problem. So I'm going to go and get the book, which is the fundamental thing of the story is, is right. Leading he's to going to climax. drag his weary shit ass up the mountain. Exactly. <laughs> which brings to an important point though, is uh-huh. you, you got to wash your ass. <laughs> there was a fish on that thread dedicated to him not seeing shit ass during the show. There is disappointing. The show. Well, it's also funny though, because he does say carcass in the original tape. Um, right. Lest we forget, which I forgot until we researched for the tape. But um, the, the there's great uh, little moments in this narration too. Uh, even though it kind of feels like he just kind of wants to get to the whole Forbin's Mockingbird thing. But I like when he, my favorite part of the whole 
uh, narration thing is either Trey telling the band to be quiet after they're playing Llama so he can start <laughs> explaining the whole story, or it's when he goes, so, so back when Forbin was riding on the horse, I mean multi-beast. <laughs> While he was riding on the horse, on the, on the uh, not the horse, but the multi-beast with Tila, they told him about how the, the, the whole... <laughs> and it's just like, you can tell he's already kind of losing. He's like beginning to lose a little bit of interest in like just narrating the story. I just think that's so funny. Um, Forbin's is fantastic. Um, it always is fantastic at this time. But uh, I thought, you know, in the context of the story, I, I just think it's even better. And uh, I gave it six fins. <laughs> <laughs> what did you rank Colonel Forbin's ascent? Um, I gave Forbin's a four. Uh, Interesting. Four yeah. bins. Yeah, uh, you know, it's in the name. Four bins uh, with a PH. Right, four. <laughs> four bins, fins. So, yeah, I, I just, I went with a four. It, the four bins mockingbird to me, they kind of do feel like an auto four territory, even though they're a little too rare to be that. I don't know that I see like enough of a difference between versions other than this one having the narration, which is cool, which is super cool, super bad. Uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ralph, Ralph, uh, Ralph Giselle Bunchen, uh, Tom Brady, uh, there. <laughs> um, Dan Maria. <laughs> Dan. But old Dan will be okay because he's a Hall of Famer. Free association, baby. About to end, I just free associated all over this podcast. You did. That's pretty much all you do <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> That's my job. I thought that, yeah, the narration was good. I liked the, the mountain crumbling into the face of Iculus is cool. And that's not in, <laughs> it's not on the tape and it's not in the new version they did. I, I don't, I, I don't, again, I've heard the Crest Theater and the, I didn't go through every single one for this because it either, you know, I have a lot of time on my hands, but <laughs> it's a lot, especially when they played a new version. Uh, I'm like, I was going to do more research on like all the other live versions, but like they just played a new one. So I got to, uh, but I liked that. That detail was cool that the mountain became <laughs> that Iculus, like, like Billy the Mountain. Yeah. I thought that was a cool detail. Gets to the top of the mountain, the mountain starts to shake and crumble. Pieces of rock falling off the mountain, leaving eye sockets until the whole top of the side of the mountain actually turns into the spirit of Iculus. So he's found Iculus and he looks up and he says, Iculus, we got big problems down here. Wilson's got the help in front of but what can you do to help us? Nicholas looks down and says, you're a brave man for climbing all the way up here on the mountain and trying to find me. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do you a favor. So he says, I'm going to call on my friend, the famous Mockingbird. And the famous Mockingbird comes flying out of the sky. That's, yeah, like I said, that's unique to the show as far as I know. It might be in some of the other live ones. I Yeah, it's, uh, it's so funny because if you kind of skip the complication of the Tila, like, I mean, I guess... So does he meant uh, so he mentions Tila's a spy, right? But if you kind of skip the whole con- if you skip the whole uh, complication of Roger and Aaron Wolf, and you skip the whole sort of like real details of what happens before Forbin goes to get the book, it does wrap up a lot faster <laughs> because you can kind of just summarize pretty easily what happens, and so he kind of goes into the like the you know well, so he felt the e- the greed, the evil greed. Um, you know, Aaron Wolf, and, and so they they go into that, and um, uh, 
uh, I mean, I, I guess that's post Mockingbird. So I, we can talk about Mockingbird. Like I, I thought Mockingbird was incredible. Um, it's funny because when we did the, the game hinge, uh, tape version, I don't think I really spoke to this, that hearing the tape version was funny to me because it's technically like, okay, but it's like, it sounds so much more like jazzy classical, like going to a, you know, uh, performance in you know high school <laughs> with like there's a band playing <laughs> like it just says and just hearing this version in contrast to that was so jarring and then it's funny because when they did Forbin's Mockingbird at uh the New Year show I mean they they did it after McGrupp so there's a lot of changes there but I thought it was great. And, and the Mockingbird thing was funny because I didn't really notice on the webcast there was a whole Mockingbird <laughs> related. I think the Mockingbird uh, got its wing clipped. It, on the webcast, it looked like people pulled it down. But if you watch the YouTube video, I think it just took kind of like a very gentle nosedive. Oh, okay. I was wondering about that. It did look like, like you said on the webcast, I was like, wow, someone killed the mockingbird. Like, geez, it looked, it looked like people pulled it down. But then if you watch the YouTube, it looks like it kind of, it spins around in a circle in a way that's not supposed to, it was, it was super cool before that though. I mean, it was great, you know, right? Like it was so cool. I think it was just supposed to like do a couple more laps while they dropped the helping friendly book pieces. Cause the Annie golden says like, Oh, um, you know, you had the book all along and they dropped literal fish lyrics. So I think the idea was like the Mockingbird. So I think the Mockingbird was supposed to stay up, but apparently people who were in the area said, yeah, it was kind of a little funny because it seemed like it went wonky, but luckily there were crew guys there to grab it and bring it backstage. So <laughs> we're glad we're glad the Mockingbird made it back down. And uh, I don't think anybody got uh, hurt or anything. So that's the, because yeah, this, I mean, it's not moving fast, but like it's no, got to have some force behind it. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine that it's like you're like you're like here it comes and then suddenly it's really heading towards you and you're like uh-oh <laughs> the bird's gonna hit me in the face that's gotta be rough i i uh it still was I, I i watched the webcast and i didn't really notice i i it seemed like something went wrong but i couldn't really tell what happened you know in the moment um but Forbin, when he when Forbin's ascent happened and Forbin climbed the rhombus, I think I was not inside of my own body. I was like <laughs> looking at myself from space, like, is this real life? <laughs> is this gonna be forever? You said you didn't like the Forbin's performance, but like when he climbed the top and was just staring at the audience, I was like, I'm scared right now. I don't know. What yeah. Happened. When he was... climbed to the top of the rhombus, I thought have we learned nothing? We're going to put oh, someone in the, of the air again. Thing? Yeah. No, no. Well, at least he's probably like an area, like, you know, like Tila was flying up in the air, but she's a professional. I'm sure this dude could have hopped down. He's probably more professional. I, than I would hope so. He, he, yeah, he didn't seem, I thought the one moment was, like he was the, the most agile man. In the world. <laughs> Sorry. Say it again. I said, he didn't seem like he was the most agile man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. So sometimes, the like, you know, there's like, yeah. offense area, like, yeah, people who are, or just like the like, you know, crazy Broadway perform for people who who are like, you're like, oh wow, that guy can like do flips. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> who knows? With Forbin, um, I think I talked to you during the. <laughs> I know I did. I talked to you inside the third podcast. Your mic in your food coma during the thing, and I was like, I, I like. 
as I'm making, I think, hopefully very clear, I was having a great night. I loved it. (laughs) I was like so into it. It was so great. I was so excited. There was also a part of me that was like, this is kind of like the Star Wars holiday special. (laughs) Right. And also Forbin kind of looked like Art Carney. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I couldn't get that out of my mind a little bit. But it was kind of like, I was like, I was like, if you take an objective step back at this, this is all like super fucking crazy and ridiculous. Even our podcast, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. Right. But, uh, huh? but I just think they pulled it off. It was like, it was like they could have gone even more ridiculous, believe it or not, right? Like they didn't have like Rutherford like actually like saying stuff. Like Forbin didn't like speak. You know what I mean? Like they they could have gone like really crazy like Broadway. And they did try to at least keep it to the songs. And I thought they did an amazing job with that. Yeah. I mean, musicals are not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I do prefer the fish songs without other people singing them. But for performance sake, I understand why they were doing what they were doing. And I think it's very cool. Are you talking about the mocking or the Wilson specifically? Because that was one people. Yes. Because the Mockingbird technically had Andy Golden on it, but I actually thought she was good. I thought the back. Yeah, she, her voice sounded amazing. Yeah. Um, the Wilson and thing. And the chorus, was, and the choir yeah. that they had in the back. You know what's was really super funny to me? Yeah, and they had. I think Jeff Tansky was. Uh, Trey put out the list on Instagram of all the people involved. Um, Jeff Tansky, like believe it or not, Tansky the Mansky. <laughs> you can't keep him down. Um, but uh, the Wilson thing was funny to me online because there were a couple of people like uh, the yeah the um, and I'm uh, with you in terms of the Broadway musical vocal style is not my bag at all. I'm not a yeah guy who was and Trey obviously is right. God bless him, but that's a huge part of his life. <laughs> He's been going to Broadway musical since he was like a kid with his mom, so I get it. Um, uh, but it's not my thing personally. But I do think the Wilson thing that I thought was really funny about like people complaining about her performance was I was like, well, I've been a serious fish fan for like 12 years. And like as a joke for 12 years, it's been people online being like, well, nobody would ever like a show now unless it was literally Game Hinge on Broadway, right? Or something. (laughs) And then when he actually does it, it, there's people like, I thought she was overdoing it. I'm a little. It's like Jesus. <laughs> this guy, he no he literally did the thing no you were asking for, and now you're like, yeah, it was a little over the top. With that said, though, it was a little like she was <laughs> really reaching for it. I Full down. I liked it. I gotta admit, I liked it. Like I just think if they did Wilson like this ever again, I'd be pissed. But if you get one moment to just go nuts, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, that's she's fair. like rubbing. She's like rubbing herself on the rhombus at one point. You remember that? <laughs> it's like it's nuts. What like, else are you supposed she to do on the rhombus? Yeah, and then every she goes up to every band member. I like when she goes up to Mike and he's like, "What's happening?" <laughs> it was so entertaining to watch. I didn't mention the, during the lizards, just by accident. They just like just like they they were showing the lizards like grouping together and then like the cameras <laughs> zoomed in and this lizard just jumped up and it was just a big shot of lizard ass just just a giant <laughs> lizard ass all over the screen <laughs> get a good I... look at his lo- lizard cloaca <laughs> there was also one of the lizards was definitely aware of the camera and was doing like tongue stuff i wasn't crazy about that gotta admit but you know also 
I do like the, well, I'm on camera for this, you know, how many people are watching, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm sure you're doing a lot of Broadway stuff where, you know, you're, you're not standing out specifically if you're doing, but then, you know, you get a shot. I like, I like it. I like the move. Yeah. The, the Foreman's Mockingbird was fantastic. Um, and, uh, did you give a rating for Mockingbird yet? I can't remember. Um, I did not, but I also gave Mockingbird a four. Um, I usually give Foreman's and Mockingbird the same ranking. But I don't want to rank them together. I don't I, I gave Forbins a seven. Or, uh, sorry, I gave Mockingbird a seven. Oh, stepping it up. That solo. You're going to have no fins left. I'm liking it's, this. It's crazy. And, and I mean, we're doing game hoist. Like, <laughs> not, New Year's notwithstanding, like, this is still one of the all-time great Vish shows. So I feel comfortable with that. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> I just the solo Trey does in Mockingbird is crazy. Um, the only moment in the New Year's show they just did that was a little screwy was, I think, as the Mockingbird whatever happened that wasn't supposed to have happened. Trey went a little wonky. He was great on the solo <laughs> while it was flying into the air. Uh, with the Game Hoist show, it's ninety four. He's just dialed in and he sounds so good. He's like Jimi Hendrix level good on this solo like he he just rips this up so hard Like I said, I just think the performance of this song works really well in this era of the band. Um, and yeah, that's I, for sure. With the speed, especially. Right, and the intensity, you know? Um, yeah. Speaking of that, we can kind of go through the sloth. I gave this five fins. Like I said, nothing got below five. <laughs> it's for set one. Um, this is a five fin version of this for me. Uh, there have been, uh, or there was, uh, this is the sixth version out of nine in 1994. There have been 175, 176 now, including New Year's um, versions of the sloth. Um, just really solid, great, like it, kind of the stuff I was just saying. It doesn't stand out in the same way as Mockingbird to me because there isn't like the crazy guitar solo or same with Bag. Um, like, you know, just little bits of jamming you can hang on to not even really jamming just soloing a lot of it um that you can hang on to in addition to the game hinge thing they've just grown so much since you know that 1987 tape and it really shows so i went with five on sloth anything on sloth for you um well you know sloth's one of my favorites um i went with a five as well uh to piggyback on the tray stuff too he really is just you know feeling it in the 94 era especially is just so much fun to listen back to because he's just tearing it apart um no complaints for me uh just great it's i love that first guitar note that just long oh yeah every time i hear it i'm like let's <laughs> freaking go yeah it's great and i like how um listening to this tape i feel like trey's interest in the story wanes as much as the audience <laughs> does in a way because he's like he's like i already killed wilson we're getting towards the end of the tape here <laughs> he literally says like we're getting toward, or we're getting toward the end of the story whatever it is 
Um, you know, the, uh, the, this is closer to the tape than the MSG version, obviously, uh, the, the new year's version, he, uh, the sloth, they did a lot of literal stuff, right? So the lizards are not a race of people so much as they're, it seemed like they're actual lizards. Um, <laughs> the sloth is an actual literal sloth. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, Which is they, not they what I would went... have guessed based on his description. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess he could still eat Italian spaghetti and go to a bar, but it would take just longer, you know, because like the whole, and I liked, <laughs> right. I did like the sloth thing a lot, lot of the MSG th- show. I thought that was really funny, like the him going really slowly to kill Wilson. All the way across, and yeah. just standing there. And then he's like, well, that did, you know, that didn't work. And Wilson died of old age. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was really funny. Um, good performance by whoever played the sloth, both of them, but whoever played the sloth, like when they reaches that, that climax, like him trying to attack him. And then Wilson just walks away. That was like a really funny <laughs> moment. That was like one of the funnier things they've done for new years in a long time. That specific, mo- the whole thing in a way, but that specific moment. Uh, I also like, we didn't talk about this poster nutbag just getting yeeted at the beginning of yeah. <laughs> our poo. It was great. <laughs> there was a lot of really funny moments. Um, but yeah, I love the sloth thing. I love the recanonization of the sloth as an actual sloth who's too slow to kill Wilton. That's really fun. <laughs> I'm glad he added that in. But in the Game Boy's version, he he's like, that's it. He You know, he killed Wilson. We're getting towards the end of the story. Um, and you know, we still don't get really the resolution that the tape has of like, you know, at this point on the tape, like, you know, Forbin is in a jail cell <laughs> with 14 <laughs> bars representing 14 years of Roger's life and Aaron, Aaron chance are going outside and whatever. And he kind of, re- he does reference that part, but he then shifts to, well, there's a farmer, or Shepard, you know, however many miles away, and he's, like, recounting this, and we go into Mugrup and the Watchful Hosemasters. Um, Mugrup, uh, this was the uh, eighth version out of 15 they did in 1994. Mugrup's been played 118 times, if you include the newest version. Um, wow. Uh, six fin. Or I'm sorry, what am I doing? Yeah, let's do six fins. <laughs> let's do <deal> with that. <laughs> This first set is like, remember that scene in Breaking Bad where Jesse is just throwing giant wads of dollar bills like out the window, out the window. <laughs> He's just like, just take them. I don't even, I don't want them. <laughs> like that's me with Game Hoist. I mean, it's Game Hinge. I I love McGrupp. I mean, it opened set three of the MSG show, and. I don't even care about the game hinge thing. Like if you just said like McGrupp is going to open set three of a fish show, like I, I am six to midnight. Just wait instantly. <laughs> just, I, I love, I love McGrupp. I, I'm just, I just beyond, beyond excited. And yeah, I, I just, you know, I think this is a great version. I, I really, again, want to highlight, uh, I think Mike is, is amazing over the whole thing and he's great in the narration parts and he's just so great. Uh, but again, Paige steps up here with the amazing piano solo. I'm a big fan of the Paige piano solos on uh, McGrupp. I think this is a great way to basically end the story. Technically, we get one more track that's kind of um, involved with it. And, and this is, uh, I had Divided Sky as a half, and obviously it's a whole because Trey's included it in the MSG show, so he's right. So, <laughs> And I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, th- to me, this is kind of like the conclusion of the Game Hedge part and kind of the the way they did the split open and melt 
made the New Year's show, I kind of look at Divided Sky as like the encore of the Game Hinge thing, and I see McGrupp. I th- I feel like McGrupp should have ended the actual tape instead of Possum, even though I like Possum as a song. I think McGrupp is yeah. kind of the wa- the the rightful ending of this. I love it. I gave it six fins. What do you think of McGrupp and the Watchful Hostmasters from June twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four, Dan? Um. Well, I always for some reason forget just how pretty of a song McGrupp is um, until it starts. So that's always a nice little surprise to benefit of forgetting things all the time. Um, I gave <laughs> McGrupp a five. Uh, I love it. I like what you said about it being uh, the opener of a third set just in general. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, so five fins, no fat on that one. I feel like it's a really good page showcase too, different than Tila's the kind of the vocal one, I guess. But right. for the piano stuff, I think this is the best. What's your favorite uh, built-in song, like pa- page solo? Because I think it might be this for me. I think this would Susie. be that Scrumming Coil. Probably Susie. Uh, yeah, Susie. Susie's good. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah, Susie's good. I like the um I've always really liked the break in um Slaves of the Traffic Light, the um Yeah, that's always really uh, great. That's a good like dude, dude, dude that bit is always really good. I like the this is not a solo, but I like when the and we'll get to it, I guess. When he does the divided sky downward progression is another good page moment in a fish song. But I think McGrupp is up there for me. Like they like when it goes doom doom boom boom bana, which is kind of mirrors the groove that they're that they're in the whole time great and i don't know i think he's um you know he's a real team player generally speaking with fish and i think when the time the time comes and he can really step up on like a jazzy piano like Susie's awesome right but that's like a rocking you know that's like him rocking out like to for him to step up in this kind of like i'm gonna do a long jazz piano solo thing is uh, yeah it's kind of cool it's cool to me it's like a little different you know it's a different side yeah. of him, in a way. Different side of page. <laughs> Turn the page. A and E. Our next track is Divided Sky. So this gets uh, brought in through the whole, um, you know, the, the, uh, that he's going into the woods and, and getting these stories, which also appeared at the New Year's show. Uh, and that they flipped these in the New Year's show. So Divided Sky ended set two. And McGrupp started set three, and then that went into uh, Forbins and Mockingbird. So they kind of went back. They they sort of backtracked there and then went forwards after this. So interesting kind of little difference, um, I thought, 
compared to this version uh, compared to the show uh divided sky's great i mean <laughs> i just yeah, i just i'm out of ways to say that like trey's really good at playing guitar solos uh <laughs> but i think part of what i like about i gave this seven fins i'll just throw that part of what i like about this a lot is that it feels like he's i could understand being like you know when you start doing the game hench thing, like this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. And then halfway through being like, man, I got to keep doing this the whole time. Don't I, you know, <laughs> like, and so <laughs> to kind of have that albatross off your neck to be able to, it, like Trace talked about the whole, we like doing songs like Reba and Yem because, you know, we'll be doing a real long composed thing. And then once you get to that free form section, it's like going from class to recess kind of, you know, like it's like, yeah. and I, I think this this divided sky feels to be even though obviously it's the beginning of divided sky is super complex but it feels like when it gets to the end Trey is just unleashing all of this emotion he has from doing this whole thing and it's just so amazing I just think this is like again remove the game hinge the hoist everything and just this is our set closer this is so fucking good yeah. divided sky in 1994 is incredible i mean you know the life is 13 version i know it our audience knows it everybody knows it. but he, it's so good it's just this is like you know peak i think this is like the peak potential of divided sky is in this period not that it's not great now not that it wasn't great after that but this is like when it was you know they still had the vestige of the early tight band but they were just starting to kind of loosen the screws a little bit and let these things stretch out and this is just a great, great example of this. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about Divided Sky? Well, I didn't quite match your seven, but I did go with a six. Um, Early Sky's best guy. That's a boy right there. Uh, Sunrise, if you will. Um, But I did have a question about this Uh uh, Divided Sky. He mentions that the lizards sing this little ditty, and then they play Divided Sky. So my question is, Uh are they just singing the Divided Sky part, or are the lizards like humming the composed stuff? I don't uh, know. That's what I'd like to find out. So that's my question. Yeah, it could be like a whole ritual where some of them are doing some of the parts. There's and like there's like part like, of the class. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, that's that's I like that. I like that idea of a thought. I also had like um a funny uh New Year's Eve related thought that I don't think I've seen online yet, surprisingly. And I've read, and I, and I've read a lot. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> um, 
So when Annie Golden walked on stage, Trey was like, beloved actress, Annie Golden. And she said, that's right. I'm Jimmy's grandma. So (laughs) here's what I'm interpreting. So her name is Annie Golden in real life, right? But in the Game Henge saga, her name is also apparently Annie Golden, I guess. Right. So So then that means Jimmy's name is Jimmy Golden. Unless it's on his mom's side. Well, that's that's no fun, though, man. (laughs) Yeah, well... That's how society works, unless (laughs) they damn it. We can't let the patriarchy win this one. We need Jimmy Golden. Maybe, maybe, maybe his mom has gotten a divorce and he kept his dad's name, which was Golden after all. There's a million things that could be happening. They oh, we didn't talk about. We took an L on Reba too because they brought Reba right into Game Henge, and both of us were like, "I don't is Reba part of Game Henge?" And they like brought that in. They didn't play it. I mean, they played it in the first set, but. uh, but they didn't play it in the game and set, but, um, so that was another one. I thought the whole, and so have you not, have you listened to the whole thing at all? The new, the new one? No. Cause the, they did this whole, the Harpua thing included all the narration. They kind of did the same thing they did with the Baker's dozen donut thing. The universe is a donut thing where they were each talking and right they brought in all this stuff. So like, like Reba. So Jimmy's Reba is Jimmy's cousin. Right. And the, someone makes the liquid meat. It's like the same person that killed. Yeah. Owens Harpua or something. Yeah. So it's, so they called in all this stuff that was sort of off of the, you know, like they, they called in things that were sort of outside of it. But then I thought the new one did a really good job of bringing in also punch you in the eye, which, I love and we both agreed was a game hinge song, but they actually called that in during the during the original like origin story. And I, I like that because there's nothing in the song that contradicts that, you know. Um right. especially that the it says the winds had swept in that day the winds had swept in Wilson's way. So you know, you still could connect that, I think, to the actual story, even though I sort of always I always personally thought that song happened afterwards. In the same way, like he explain, explains that McGrub happens, like looking back on it, I always kind of saw um, punch you in the eye in that same way. But, uh, you know, I I, uh, I thought that was really cool. I liked the tying llama into the middle of it. I thought it was more, honestly, I thought it was like the most cohesive version of the story they've done, even though it was also, you know, super dramatic and acted out. But I thought they did a great job of like, balancing that with the mythology and not violating it in a way that was like oh this you know like if they had brought in they had said like oh you know because it's funny when we talked about the game hedge thing on that pod the other one it was like like we were like well they should add more to the mythology and they did but they did it in the right way like whereas now i'm like Actually, it might. I, I think I said like add Diego from Fuego in, and now that I've seen what they actually did, I'm like that was not th- what they did was better. <laughs> it made more sense. <laughs> I think you like you know what I mean. They didn't do they they weren't like, and then the turtles in the clouds came in. Like they kept some things out, which I think was good. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, because we talked about how the tape was a little thin, right, um, and they did do more to add more to it. So now when I hear punch you in the eye or llama or I mean, McGrupp, I already definitely included, but like I'm, I feel a hundred percent. Oh, I'm hearing a game hedge song as opposed to being like, 
Well, it technically wasn't on the tape, so it doesn't count, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I like that you can tell that Trey's, like, open to bringing more stuff in. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that he knows a good spot to cut off the excess meat. So I trust them. I trust them. I, I Like I said I, earlier, I think... Um going the 1987 tape 1994 show and then for me do it like really going into this new year show they just did it, it's just so incredible and i didn't think they were going to do it for new year's otherwise we wouldn't have picked this for the pod <laughs> to be honest I yeah it's still so pretty crazy that's just crazy but you know i think it really illustrates the eras right you have 87 where trey's writing this thing in his college dorm you have 94 where it's this crazy awesome energetic band that can do everything i think like and we're gonna get to set two uh soon and and there's stuff i want to say about that in relation to this because really a lot of the um game hand stuff is up tempo right like tila's mid tempo but everything else is like pretty Tila and McGrupp, I guess, are like kind of, but like yeah, like the, maybe Mockingbird's part, like the Mockingbird, like in the eighties, but by the nineties, it's like fucking smoking, like they're <laughs> it's like crazy fast, uh, like it's just fast, like crazy music, and then seeing it now with the fact that they can still do these things this well, the fact there's literally a fucking Mockingbird flying around MSG, <laughs> that there's pageantry, the the just the dedication and everything, like it's such a great arc of like you know it's funny because i saw some kind of there wasn't there wasn't a lot of backlash right <laughs> there's very little but if there was anything it might have been people being like a little bit like i think yourself where i think they see game henge as this sort of it's you know it's a part of their history and it's cool and it's important but it's not like essential and i guess i am sort of in the opposite camp of like i kind of think it explain i think game henge explains a lot about who they are as a band this sort of we care a lot about this mythology but we also don't care but we do the you know it, it <laughs> matters a lot these songs matter a lot but also acdc bag was written out of a book of cliches <laughs> or you know like we're gonna there's this tape but then we're also just gonna do whatever version of this we want live like i think it explains a lot about how they're they feel about themselves throughout the years like i think hearing this in 94 you get a lot of information about what they think about their early selves when you hear the version of them now you get a lot of you know at this point you know this show is a lot older than the game hench tape was then you know <laughs> a lot older so yeah i think to them that now, is hoist to is about. hoist is as old as the game hench and anything else to them and i think that that matters you know, uh, that matters uh, to them. I think they, 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 you know, this whole idea that they didn't care about Game Henge and they didn't care about this as part of their history has just been, because that was, I had a whole bunch of questions I was going to ask you at the end of this and they're all gone now. It was like, are they going to do it again? Does it matter? <laughs> you know? And uh, it's all, and it's gr I'm glad that it's gone. I was vibrating when I was watching it. I couldn't believe with what I was light. seeing with, with all kinds of things. Just those were only <laughs> a few of them. Um, do you have any concluding thoughts about Gamehenge? It seems like if I'm reading this right, you're like, it's cool, but I just prefer regular fish shows to this. Is that the vibe? Yeah. Yeah. I think like as a novelty, it's really cool. But um, yeah, I I think I'm just a, a normal fish guy. Although, I, I mean, I like it 
uh, I like the Harpua stuff, obviously. Using Harpua to tell stories or, like, the dark side thing. That's pretty neat. Stuff like that. I love when that stuff is happening. I like Game Match. But you don't you love it. First. I, can, I, can, I can just tell from your rankings and your sort of level of excitement that it's sort of like a... Right? It's sort of like an extra... It's like an extra thing to you and not like an essential... Because that's yeah, what people like are saying. Like, they're like, it's cool, but it's, I don't, you know, there's a, you know, again, it's mostly people being like, holy shit. But, <laughs> but um, huh, that's, yeah, it's super funny to me because you feel, I feel like you're super into fish and you're super into like fantasy stuff, but fish is fantasy world. You're like not that into. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not deep enough, but even fun. with the, like, even with the new show, it's still not deep enough because I feel like there's not. It's also weird because rock operas are, like, not by definition as rich as, like, a novel, right? Or even a movie. Right. Um, I think, right? It's hard to get story. Rock that. operas aren't always my thing either, as you know. The, well, do probably you have the most this famous conversation rock right opera now, quick? is, yeah. like, my least one. <laughs> that my I, least favorite album of all that things, I like so. Tommy. That I like Tommy and you don't, basically. Yeah. Yeah, love the Who though. See, my thing is, I got into Tommy because I had a live version of it, and I, yeah, I, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's just a different. I guess it's just it's interesting that like if you go through the track list, right? Like you love Kong, you love Llama, <laughs> yep. Like you you love these songs, Tila. You're not big on, and I guess Forbin's Mockingbird. You're kind of eh. Yeah. Generally. Man, that's crazy to me. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> there's those songs are so good. Um Yeah, it's a fun story. It's it's really cool. I like that they have done it again. That makes it extra neat. But um, you know, I mean the story shifts a little bit when they're doing it. Uh maybe a good way to, to describe like to uh wrap this up real quick is I was thinking about um I was thinking about the uh the dead. <laughs> this is not a dark star reference. Um, could be you know I, I think I, I, this is just my own personal opinion and maybe don't share it but the I think this is this type of thing is why I let I, if you know I, there, I think if I were ranking my favorite bands and I was able to I would do 1A 1B and it'd be Fish and the Dead but the reason I think Fish <laughs> A Fish is 1A is because they're willing to do shit like this where I love the dead. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love them. They're great. They're one of the greatest, if not the greatest American band of all time. Da, 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 da. They were too cool to do stuff like this. They were right. too, not too cool, but they were too, they wouldn't have done anything like this, even though, you know, you could argue they had songs, right? Like that they would do Peggy or whatever it is that are really full sort of story songs but they're in that kind of folky tradition of like you introduce characters that are in love and then end, somebody ends up dying and like <laughs> towns on fire or whatever and like I, I guess i personally part of what drew me to fish even initially and part of it now is game henge and it's not necessarily the actual like game henge shows or the tape it's more that i always thought it was really cool that this existed um because you know, it, it didn't in before they played it recently, like I kind of thought they would never do it again. And I always kind of sort of liked that because I was like, 
oh, this is like the secret part of them. You know, this is like right. a secret code. Um, and yeah, now they've done this awesome into. show and it's great. I'm so glad they did it. It was so fun to watch. Um, but that kind of debunks a lot of the code. Uh, <laughs> so it's an interesting situation. But I guess my point is like, I think part of what draws me to fish is like the nerdy, weird attention to detail stuff that isn't just like cool rock music. <laughs> it's like the other parts. <laughs> so that's my whole thing. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, it, I, it's not like you didn't like the set. You gave everything really high scores. I'm not trying to be a dick about yeah. it. It's just sort of funny that um, I find it interesting that... Uh, I'm a little more interested in it than you are, but that's, that's how it goes. That's why we do the podcast, right? <laughs> so we, we're going to come back and then do uh set two, which is hoist. So uh, we'll take a tiny break and then come back and, and do some hoist. What do you say about that, Dan? We'll hoist, hoist up our pants and, and do, hoist up our waders and do some more fishing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, we'll be back with more five fins. five fins and we're back this is my new voice <laughs> at this point there's nobody listening so you could probably do any voice <laughs> you wanted and no one would notice they'd be like they'd just skip to the end and be like is this the game hinge part and then just and then be like why does this guy sound like tom broke they must on bring on Adderall. two guests one for each set are you doing uh tom broke or are you doing um um I am an enigma. <laughs> I am not an animal. But you know who is an animal? The band Fish. And they're back for set two. That's the worst intro we've ever done for set two. That's really saying something. I knew going into this episode that this was going to be either the best or worst episode we ever did. And uh, both. it's both. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Which I appreciate. We are here for set two from June 26, 1994. It's called Game Hoist, people. You can figure it out. Set one was Game Hinge. Set two is the album Hoist. Um, as we mentioned in the uh, Hoist uh, previous segment, uh, that was a really recently released record. Really recently released. That's too many R's in a row. Holy shit. I can't believe I pulled that right, 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 Really right, right, recently right. released record. Really recently really released recently. record. Really recently released re- I can't do it five times in a row. They do hoist in its entirety, except with the exception of Riker's mailbox. We brought up Riker's mailbox. There's, there's no way or reason to do that live. A little too much going on for him. We begin with the greatest Julius ever. I mean, how <laughs> else can you start the set? <laughs> it's the greatest one. If you're going to start the set, why not start with the greatest Julius ever? I got to say. At least to date. Yeah, I got to say. Um, oh, by the way. Um, Leaving set one, you had 33.7 fins. You know how many fins I had? Five. 23. You're up by 
uh, ten point seven. God, I'm bad at math. <laughs> I was not uh, aware there was going to be math. Um, you're up by more than a decade worth of fins, and here we are. Um, but I, uh, Julius, uh, the, it's the Julius is the greatest version of Julius ever, and it's always the greatest ju- version of Julius ever. With that said, I usually go with an automatic four, but. Uh, mm. They do have a lot of pep in their step here, and I think yeah. part of it is that they're coming out of the gate, and they just did this piece of at that time, even at that time, let alone you know them doing it for New Year's for their 40th anniversary or something like that. Game Hedge is already like a thing in their past, and this is like a thing in their present, and I think you get a real sense of that. Um, and I'm a big fan of this, so I actually bumped it a couple things because I'm I'm it's you know. This is my New Year's resolution. Apparently, I don't make New Year's <laughs> resolutions, but apparently, fans. mine was to just overrate the shit out of fishes. <laughs> and here I am. Uh, but it's game hoist. Let's do this. So I went with a four point two on Julius. Oh, jeez. Here I am thinking you went with like a seven. Uh, I did the auto four, but um, yeah. I would like to mention around like the four and a half minute mark. Uh, Trey like really hits this like nice bluesy um section riff thing going on and it's just uh pretty awesome and i almost wanted to give more fins but i had to stick to my guns had to give the auto for i'm you know these fins i'm saving them up i like i'm like a kid who collects rocks you know i like to set them all out on the floor look at them pick them up (laughs) tell other people what's different about each one that's what i'm doing Hey, mister, you got any extra fins over there? Yeah, come on over. <laughs> yeah, not for you. <laughs> I could act in one of these fish New Year's New Year's gags. <laughs> Their next New Year's gag should be an episode of Five Fins. It would be the funniest gag of all time. <laughs> people would just be like, what the fuck and, is happening? And we need to be clear, too. What happens is, literally, fish doesn't play. Like they, pe- right. People buy a ticket for whatever amount of money. And it's just, it's just you and I <laughs> the first. It's for they do not first play two sets. a note. Right, they're it's not even first in the two building. sets, and then the third set they're gone, <laughs> and it's just us reviewing the first two sets. <laughs> yeah, and people are really excited for the third set. They're like, they're going oh, nuts. man, they're cooking. And then over the loudspeakers, they start to play McGrupp or something, and it's like, <laughs> oh shit, are they going to do? And then it's just us coming out, and I'm like hello out there and people are still <laughs> cheering because they don't know what it is and then it's like you go hello world and then and then gradually people it's just can you imagine that like people being like wait is this a podcast now <laughs> and then they hit us with <laughs> like the how SpongeBob kiss, fish. kiss is now like they're just like animated character dude fish is now just a podcast and it's us <laughs> it's like the worst <laughs> possible <laughs> be a good halloween prank uh, it would yes, it would be a it's be a it'd be a better be prank a than a sh- than instead a, of a treat. Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea of us being fish avatars. <laughs> There's just four someone fish in the podcast just, avatars. Yeah, someone in the audience just hits us with the SpongeBob fish. Oh, brother, these guys stink. That'd be the best. I did hear Trey mention that they they actually were in real talks, like real, you know, in terms of fish terms, like real fake talks about what if we did a gag that was where we were a boy band and we didn't play instruments <laughs> at all and it was just us dancing around with like <laughs> mics strapped to our heads. It's like, on the one hand, I'm like, that'd be horrible. On the other hand, I'm like, I would watch it though. I'd definitely watch yeah, it. I'd laugh too. I'd give a good <laughs> chuckle. I'd, I'd, <laughs> it's... It, 
there's like there's a non-zero chance that that's not bad (laughs) (laughs) i'm scared i'm i'm scared uh we get down with z second by the way for information's sake they played these songs a whole fuck of a lot in <laughs> so they they played Julius sixty six times. This is thirty two. They played Julius two hundred and thirty three times. Two hundred thirty. They played it over New Year's, right? I didn't do the ad. I'm sorry. It's either two thirty three. You have to either you have to add the one yourself. <laughs> That's the work you have to do as a listener. Before this New Year's run, it was two thirty three. They played Julius, didn't they? No, I don't think they did actually. I actually would have thought more than that. Uh, they've played three hundred and fifteen versions. <laughs> actually let's make it 360 i know they played that <laughs> of down with disease the down with disease thing i know i've been rough on like down with diseases of this era <laughs> because it, they don't live up to the expectations and of where it would become i mean down with disease by you know 1997 is already like an insane jam vehicle in a way that it's not here uh still but this one does bring a lot of heat i thought and one thing is that you can totally tell sort of uh where this is going jam wise this whole set is interesting because you know as fiery as set one the game head set is set two is like totally playing into their present as a band who just released this album but also playing into them as where they're going to be i think and i really respond to that listening back to it i I feel like they are a lot more uh dialed into that kind of where the late 90s thing is going to go than i realized prior to listening to this tape and there's a brief period there's a brief moment of the down with disease that i'm like oh man like Right, they're, they know where it is. They know where that you know area is, and they're just sort of scratching that itch. still gonna be mad at my rating probably <laughs> but but i i felt that uh 
um, I was very ready to go. Yeah. Not, or midnight, you know, I look at like 93, 94 down with disease. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's good. And, uh, I was ready to give it a three point, whatever. And then <laughs> I, yeah, this really won me over. It's a great performance. I like this a lot. And I went with a 4.2. Where you oh, um, so I went with a 4.5. I think the, um, most notable thing right off the bat with this too is the uh sound of mike's bass like you were mentioning earlier uh in the game hench set but in this uh disease like it's pretty pronounced and i actually was wondering to myself if he possibly has a different envelope filter pedal at the time or if it's like a digital version versus an analog version of that pedal but the uh, actual, or maybe he's changed the settings on the meat box a little bit. But uh, yeah, I definitely felt like it sounded a little bit different. But I gave it a four and a half because they do a pretty good job with it. And uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't slow down from Julius, even though it sort of slows down in a way with the next song, but not talent wise. I mean, it's funny because when you think about this show, there's the the uh, game hen stuff is in my opinion amazing <laughs> all of it uh but it is not specifically a jammy set of songs right you get the McGrupp piano solo you know you get some but it's it's not really like a you know a bag right but you don't re- there's not really like a lot of jamming and with hoist that's also pretty true I mean, that it's changed over time with the reputation of something like Wolfman's Brother has become obviously super jammy. Um, but Disease is by far the most jam, you know, if you're doing jam MVP of their career, like Disease is obviously that. I mean, I think Down With Disease is probably the most consistent jam vehicle they've done over the past, I mean, really probably beginning <laughs> in the late 90s, but definitely since the reunion. Uh, you know, there's more quality versions of Down With Disease in any year than probably any other song. I mean, you get Tweezer, there's a few, right? But, like, they, Down With Disease is definitely in there. So I think for the rating thing, I'm, like, a little... Uh, I try not to compare, like, new era to old era, but there's a piece of it that, you know... Um, it's a little different for me. And like I said, I mean, even, you know, in the late nineties, they had already kind of be, I mean, the great went down with disease is literally one of my favorite performances that fish has ever done of anything ever. <laughs> I think that that's, uh, we're going to do that show someday. And I said, there's not an amount of fins in the world that will, <laughs> that will cover how good that is. Yeah. I, I think this is, a, it's, it's better than I anticipated based on like how early it is in the run of the song, but I, I was really into it. I'm also really into our next track, which is if I could. So on that hoist album, this track, you know, these two tracks flow into each other really well. Um, live. They also do. Um, I think maybe as I mentioned in the hoist segment, I think they are, um, you know, uh, so good. The flow between those two is, really good to me i like the contrast and um this is kind of similar but you know it's not maybe quite as good to me but i do like it a lot and then the track itself i just love um i just really like this song a lot oh by the way shout out to rob uh he's we, we always shout him out or think about him with the life beyond the dream but he's a huge if i could fan we were on the bridge with him taken to the bridge on uh 12 28 2018 
and they played if I could and he was losing his mind if you remember that after they he was, he was mm-hmm. screaming after they played it so <laughs> I do oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> okay okay I remember every waking moment with them beautiful <laughs> man I remember him saying I'll just sleep in the bathtub and then coming yeah. into the room just five minutes later and saying maybe I'll just sleep here with silent third podcaster Mike and crawling up like a cat at the bottom of the bed just a Ah, disappearing and being like, where is Rob? You guys want a slice of pizza? Like this man. We wish him all the best. He's a big if I could. I'm, I'm, I love if I could. I really love this one. What'd you, what'd you give did it? Did you give it a four? What'd you give it a four? You give it less than a four? You did, didn't you? You jerk. This is really like, I have stepped through the mirror and I, and I'm in, and I'm in like bizarro <laughs> land and I don't know what I don't, I just, <laughs> I mean, I love I love this show like a lot. So I think it's I'm bringing in too much energy. I think I'm too too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it way more than a four. I love. I mean, I love if I could. I just I love this song. Oh, wonderful! I, I gave this seven fins. I I me I'm too. Did wow. you really? Oh wow! Yeah, awesome. I did. I thought that they did the jam part was. It's only six. It's only like seven minutes long, but it feels like ten. It's really good. Page is immaculate on this. I mean, he, this is so, so good. Like, right? orchestra stuff um which is yeah. which is which is great and cool but like they like him just him that piano part is so good and the band coming in yeah i i was really 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 into this i just <laughs> I, I just think and there's another one later too on that that um we're gonna get to soon that is the same to me where it both are are I gave incredibly high crazy ratings to because <laughs> I like the like I said the contrast between the 1994 band they just did this whole you know 80s song suite thing and this is like them looking forwards to something new I think like I feel like the, you know this is a tiny bit less than I think the one I'm gonna get to but sim- similar idea um why did you why did you you gave it you gave it extra fins you've been you've been yeah. stingy all day why, why do you yeah it is just really pretty just the sheer beauty of it and um like i was saying about the time anytime a song f- feels longer in a good way 
than it ends up being i'm always big time down yeah i think this is great it's just an amazing performance and i'm really happy uh so you know we're talking about the uh, the reason i did some of the uh, you know how many times have they played this thing so like 315 down with disease you know something like going back to the first set like they if they've done like you know 139 versions of mockingbird 298 versions of wilson uh, they've done uh, 65 versions of if i could in their career Jeepers. we saw one at msg um they did 34 this year this is 21st uh, this has to be the mo- I didn't look this up. This has to be the most they played it wasn't around this time. Um, I feel like it's just it's really good. And uh, there's a lot of sort of we talked about this with the hoist episode. There's a lot of great ballady songs on this album that are not maybe so conducive to playing a lot in shows. And so I think that's why some of the play counts begin to lower here. Right. <laughs> um, we go into Axilla part two. this one i did actually uh maybe potentially uh disappoint our listeners and 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 just give a five in um i did really like the uh you know obviously the difference between exila and exila 2 is that out the lyrics but also that outro um this one i thought was cool to listen to because it kind of like devolves into like this weird like slow sludgy thing that's really fun So they've played Axilla 2 51 times and they played it a lot lately. Um, that number is now inflated based on the line. They, the Axilla 2 is back, you know, and they played it over the, uh, the, they played it on night one, like we said, of New Year's. And it's just, it's just in the repertoire. Um, and I'm, I love it. I've always been a big fan of it. I love the lyrics. Um, I'll pull your trick. <laughs> Usually it's drink when Dan says he likes the lyrics. I'll pull you. Never understood what my body was for. That's why I always lay it out on the floor. Like all the, like I just, I grew up listening to hoist. So I respond to these songs a lot. And, uh, this, um, this, yeah, I, this is really cool. And it's just, the uh, jam is great. I thought it's really like, um, it, you know, for 19 again 1994 it feels like it's looking forward to our more spacey druggy weird fish than they are in the first set that sorry spacey candy fish i said <laughs> drug or something uh that um that you know 94 but you know it points forward to me more to like a 97 98 time than it does to 94 like that boom 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 thing feels more right like more druggy and <laughs> and weird and i uh, i love it um i also gave it a five uh i love sludge you know i'll swim around in that stuff all day like mud like that song yeah. about mud that you'd sing as a kid like i can't go around sludge i gotta go through it so beautiful fabulous <laughs> super duper sludge that's nah, worth a five for me yeah 
I, I think it's, again, yeah, I think it points to the sludgy, weird future, but it's still, you're still sort of in 94, so I like that about it. Um, the next track is Life Boy. Oh, by the way, yeah, I said they played 51 versions of Agzilla 2, right? So that's not Agzilla's total. There's tons of Agzilla 1s. <laughs> um, uh, and that's, and now the Agzilla 2 numbers are rising, but... Uh, Life Boy 59 total. Um, there are, uh, this was the uh, 12th version of 24 they did in 1994. So, this is kind of a personal thing that sort of disconnects from the show itself. I've just, I love Life Boy, and it has to do with listening to Hoist the album a lot, but I'm just a huge fan of this song. I really love Trey's guitar progression, that downward progression. It's like free almost, but with the this like bluegrass feel, right? It's like that. It's like a broken down version of free. And I just, I've always, I just love it. Um, I know the lyrics are, um, I guess if you are religious, they might be a little weird because he's talking about God, but I see it. The song totally is about somebody who's just at the end of their rope, the end of the line. And they just feel this pressure, or something and I can I don't know not that I feel that way myself personally but I understand it as a song and uh I just think it's it's just a beautiful it's just beautiful I like I just love the piano stuff Paige does going up the keyboard and um it, it everything about it feels great and to me I was this is the first time I ever listened to it and I was like this is kind of like what Rogue became but they didn't mention God right it's sort of that same groove where pa- uh, Trey plays like the same thing over and over but the band kind of jams around him and i think this is of all of them of the hoist set this points so much more to the future of what they're going to become uh in the late 90s i i this is uh, i i realize i've already said a lot of hyperbolic things about the game hoist tape um but i'm gonna say one more life boy is my favorite song on this whole in this entire show i love this to death and i gave this eight fins <laughs> I went with five fins. Uh, definitely 
Nice. Could have been a candidate for extra fins, but um, I stuck with a straight five. Uh, I don't do. Look, I don't. I don't shame. I don't shame for no extra fins. Yeah, the, yeah. the show is the podcast is called Five Fins. It's fine. It's you're good. The man. um, the you're fine with L, the Yes, the um, that you know, God uh, doesn't he doesn't give refunds for overpraying, which I think that rules out God being LL Bean, um, because <laughs> they always give refunds. So if anything, we can walk away at a minimum with that knowledge, and I think that's important. I mean, often when I've gotten uh, clothes from LL Bean, I've been like, yeah. "Is this you from put them God?" On, man. And so they yeah. really. The angel's wings <laughs> of a jacket. If you want to sponsor us, please email LL Bean. Uh, e- email us at five fins mailbag at gmail.com. That's P H I V E P H I N S. Uh, mailbag at gmail.com. The uh, I, I, and uh, they could probably sell like a sweater that has like the fishman print on it so then we can get fish involved. We're talking, we're talking, right? It's big bucks we're here. Big, we're talking big money, LL Bean. We're not like we're not screwing around. Uh, <laughs> I I I love I love Life Boy. I just I love this song so much, and you know, um, again, the religious thing is what it is. But for me, it's not even really about that. You know what I mean? It's kind. Of, it's just about like when you're like fuck everything. Like this song feels right, right. To me. <laughs> um. And I think everybody feels that, even probably people who do believe in God or whatever. You know, I don't think that it's about. I think it's a little. I I I do feel like it's a little unfortunate that this song brings the God thing in so much. I wish almost this song. I I kind of have felt this way about Hoist. I wish that this song had the dog faced boy lyrics <laughs> or something <laughs> where just silliness. And it just feels it's not. I think the God when you whenever you invoke God, it's just such a loaded thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially to bring it up like this many times. <laughs> um, you <laughs> it's this every second. This is God never listens. And so I, per, like personally, I don't care. But I think that I think they do. I think I do. I think Trey does. I think he. I think Trey would play this song more if he didn't mention God personally i and i don't know how you feel about that but i think that that's the that, part yeah. of the reason it's rare because i think he through re- recovery and whatever else i think he doesn't want to like shit on belief i don't he i don't not that he's like a bible belter but i don't think he you know what i mean i don't think he wants to be like that kind of dude and i understand right. that but fuck i love this yeah song. he's just a very <laughs> spiritual guy right he's he's got the power of now thing and the whole he can you know, he's all into it. He's got, he's, he doesn't want to be like, oh, this person who found recovery through Jesus is God never listens. You know what I mean? I think that that's, I do think that's a real, like people bring up things where they're like, oh, you know, something where, oh, it's because of his, you know, rehab. And I'm like, yeah, I bet that, you know, something about, oh, he won't sing this line in whatever song. And you're like, I don't think right. that that's yeah. the case. No. But with something like this, where he's constantly saying over and over, God never listens to what I say. God, you don't get a refund if you ever pray. I think he's a little sensitive to that, but also is like, well, people like this song, so they'll do it occasionally. We saw it at New Year's uh, 2011. Remember that? Um, yes. It's a long time ago now, but uh, yeah, <laughs> sample in a jar coming up next. I'm, we can maybe, since we're this deep into it, we can breeze through a tiny bit. Um, 
I gave an automatic four to sample. This is 41st version out of 74. Yes, that's a real statistic. Wow. Trish played 74 versions of a song in one Jeez. calendar year. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, that's like if they played every, it at every show of the tour now and like 20 other times, just that. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, they've played 304 versions of this overall. Obviously, if we're talking about like If I Could, Axilla 2, that's coming back, I guess. Life Boy, like that stretch of the Hoist album. Not a huge live thing. Sample obviously is. Sample's a huge song. Yeah. Um, it's an auto four. I thought it was great. I mean, I always yeah. I'm a fan of this. Um, but uh this is kind of an auto four part of the set, I thought. Yeah, I'd say so. It's pretty prime for auto four territory. It's what I went with as well. They've done a lot already, you know? I mean it's uh how much more can you um can you really ask? Uh Wolfman's I also went auto four. Interesting. I went with a five. Darian. I love Wolfman's. Although I think this might have been the thing you were referring to earlier with the live version versus studio. Is that possible? Coming up on our next track, but I'll t- I'll listen to the argument. Uh, okay. I was wondering which one it was. Um, No, I was just going to bring up the Shirley Temple thing. Because as you know, I love that. Shirley Temple. I wish they would end every thing. Oh, but also add yeah. the drop. Put the drop in there. Darian. I wrote down surprisingly funky for 94. Again, kind of tipping the hand towards where this is going to go towards the late 90s. There's a moment where it gets you, you're like, ooh, there's a little funk in there. But we're not towards, yeah. you know, we're not in the clavinet for five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not in the page stands up, I get down era yet. It's still, right. we're still, um, so yeah, I liked it. Um, I, uh, I think at this point, you know, yeah, we, we've talked about this a lot. So this is 230 times played for, for uh, Wolfman's. Again, I actually, that I would have thought was more. I would have thought Wolfman's yeah. disease would almost be played the same amount. But the, um, I guess it's 231 now with New Year's. <laughs> uh, Scent of a Mule. So in, in the Game Hinge, in part one of this podcast, I think you and I both uh, – Agreed, though we didn't go into detail about how we feel about the Scent of a Mule live performances. There's been 146 yes. of them, in case huh. you're curious. This is the 20th. And I've seen 145. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't that one where you're like, that's not 246? Um, we've seen it a few times. We've seen at least, I've seen at least four, I think. I think it was one they did more, um, you know, they've done more since they came back then. Do you you want to, how about you start? (laughs) Well, I auto-afford it. Um, Yeah, the studio version is freaking sweet. Just so sweet. It's a great bluegrass song. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great bluegrass song. But um, in terms of the live, like the whole, um, and these are Mike Gordon's words, not mine, but the whole Jewgrass section, like what do you think about that whole thing? thing like the klezmer breakdown and stuff do you like that um not particularly i i like it when i uh, because like i know it's coming up and stuff and then i get excited and then i like when it gets going really fast but when it first starts i'm kind of like eh. i wish it would just stay weird yeah if somebody were like interested in fish and if they were like, what songs would you like to play? Like, would you ever play a live version of Son of a Mule for them? No. Unless I wanted to be like, this is how weird they can get. Unless, yeah, unless it was like, 
Would you play an album version or if they were like yeah. the bluegrass? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. All right, we're back on the same page, you know? We had a rough game hand stretch <laughs> there, but we're back. We're back. I've seen Son of a Mule the... six times, and I think I saw it at New Year's, didn't I? So that would be seven. I don't think. They didn't do it at New no, Year's. No, I didn't enough. see it at New Year's. Okay. Whew. Oh, they did it. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. It might have been, it might have been the last the last time you saw them, though. They, yeah, they do it more now, I think. Yeah. I've mentioned this before. I think I mentioned this on the uh, Game Hedge part. I can't remember, but like every like they they just like um, I, like I like to think I'm pretty dedicated to this stuff and listening to a lot of versions. And with <laughs> there's always a moment of set of a mule where I'm confused about what's happening, <laughs> where I'm like, is this a solo or is this person playing or like there's there's um I know the whole mule duel concept, you know that it's like two instruments going at it, but. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I've always been a fan of the studio one and the live thing has always left me cold. I think the problem for me with the live thing is that I like when I think there's so many bands in the world, right? Where like, you know, the thing will stop and then the guitar player will do a long solo or the drummer will do a crazy thing or the, you know, and whenever, like, I understand the temptation to do it. But whenever there's like one instrument playing for a long time, it like even Squirming Coil took me a long time to like, because I was like, I don't just want to hear like him playing. I want to hear like the band, you know, like, um, right. and the scent of a mule thing I've always thought was a little more like, look how many notes I can play than I like fish to be as a band normally. Um, so yeah, out of four, I, I just, um, it's never, never, it's, I, I think we're in the same, but it's like, it's not like, ah, it's not like velvet or something like you hate it, but it's just like, yeah, right. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yep. I love the next track, which is dog face boy. We talked about dog face boy. There's been 54 versions overall. We talked about the one that wow. they play a few nights earlier. Um, when we did that show, um, but that one, uh, you couldn't hear because it was like without microphones, which we're about to, we're going to talk about in a second. Um, and uh, I, I again with uh, the ballads on this album, I'm just a bit like if I could Life Boy and Dog Face Boy. By the way, Life Boy and Dog Face Boy are part of a boy trio. The other uh, part of that, the the third leg of that trio, was a song called Lever Boy. That's Fish never recorded that, but that's on a Trey album. All of these are Tom Marshall Trey. It's like the Triple Nipple, you know, and uh, and the Leo Trio. You know, there's the things working. It's the rule of threes. Um, triple Nipple. I gave uh, Dog Face Boy five fins, and the reason for I gave it five fins is that um, I wouldn't deplete my fin amounts for you if you were turning blue but if you ask me i would do anything for you, <laughs> nice do you um, like the song dog face boy i love the song dog dog faced boy but um, i only da, 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 i only went with uh yes double drop double darian um yeah i went with da, 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 four fins. uh kind of feel like an auto yeah right kind of felt like an auto four so i just stuck with my gut feeling but what if you, somebody just threw it. a it tomato a through your song. window right now and you were like, wait, you're here? <laughs> that would make me jump. I would definitely be spooked. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of being that upset about your rating is really funny to me. Like, <laughs> This is like a riot outside your house for giving something for me. <laughs> it is a song Isn't it? that I enjoy. Yeah. 
That's what I mean. I almost wish so I sure. could take don't deplete my oxygen for the guy who's turning blue and put it into the Life Boy chords. And then it would just be a classic <laughs> fish song that isn't about God or whatever. And then they would just do it all the time. I kind of feel like they should consider that. Don't deplete my oxygen for the guy who's turning blue. But ask me and I'll do anything for you. I, I love Dog Face Play, by the way. And I know I, you do this all the time hyperbolically, but I'm going to say this is actually literally one of my favorite fish songs. Because again, I think of the, I was in my high school gym running laps and they let you listen to music and I would be listening to dog face. (laughs) Kids were listening to like get rich or die trying. And I'm like, I can't moment on the dog. Um, Our next track is demand. And I think we can talk about it in conjunction with uh, the song I like to call Y S Z. And the reason is because I don't speak Hebrew. Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. Say it again. Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. That's my guess. That's way better than I would have done. So we talked about this when we talked about the album uh, Demand. So in on the album they play Demand, and then it's like on audio, it's like audio concrete. <laughs> However you say it again, I don't know how to print. Where of like a guy getting into a truck and or whatever it is and car maybe (laughs) one of those two no it's not a boat and uh gets in and puts on um a cassette tape and it starts playing the split open and melt jam so in order to recreate that they do that so they play demand and then they go into the split open and melt jam so um this is the ninth version out of nine that fish would play of demand in 1994. Uh, they played 16 total. So this song is gone and disappeared pretty immediately. Um, I, they played a few in 95 and it was, it was gone. Um, in terms of, if you're talking about the split open and melt numbers, um, they played 43 in 1994. This is the 23rd one. So pretty clear, uh, <laughs> they're leading, towards one over the other obviously melt had already existed for a while and um you know uh demand is so sort of like a weird end track uh, up to the album as opposed to sort of something like split open and melt which has become like a fish staple and then they do ysz uh on the album as as whatever i'll just cut in whatever you said and just paste it there uh <laughs> as a signifier for this person i think like driving off the road because the split up or whatever it is or getting in a crash because this split up and a melt is so crazy and then that's like that's them like ascending to heaven or whatever they're trying to say they're trying to signify the guy's dead i think is i'm not reading too far into that i got that as a seventh grader so hopefully um but uh yeah i you know, I, I love this. I, I'm a big fan of Demand. I the the drum. I mentioned this in the Game Hatch part, but the drum part of Demand is nuts. That's like probably <laughs> the craziest written drum part in Fish history. I mean, it's like insane. Trey was on Under the Scales podcast with Tom Marshall years ago, and he was like, they were talking about the set list, and he's like, well, there's certain times like I'll put something on, and tr- and he has an example. He's like, you know, I'll put on Demand, and Fishman will come up and be like, I can't do that. <laughs> like you have to give it a couple <laughs> days because that would be like I can't even. And so they played it sixteen times. I'm guessing that's part of it, but it's crazy. I mean, it's like it's 
actually probably as weird. It's definitely as Robert Fripp, King Crimson, yes, like progressive Rocky as they've gotten live. And this is even more like fast and intense live than it is uh, for the studio hoist album. Um, but I love it. I've, I've just been a big fan of this. Um, so I rated this in the, you know, the snippet of split up and melt that they play as kind of the, you know, in order to recreate the album, um, right together. And, uh, and I gave it a 6.6. 6. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five, <laughs> but I also did combine the two. Um, I don't have too much to say about it, but the drums thing is awesome. John Fishman is so good at playing drums. If you, if anyone didn't know that, I just feel like it should be out there. This is up there with all of those, like, in the same way I think I said, like, Fly Famous Mockingbird. It's like, put that up there with, like, everything Jimi Hendrix ever played. Everything, like, this, this drum performance is, like, Danny Carey would have to, like, really practice to get this done. <laughs> like, this is hard <laughs> shit. And I'm not saying that, like, he couldn't do it. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, it's not. That is, I think that is what it, you're saying. Well, Danny I'm saying, Carey can't play fish songs on oh, the drums. I'm, you heard it I'm here saying, first, everybody. You know, it's a hotter take than that. This is gets us off track, but I've always had this hot take and there's, we're like hours into a podcast about fish. So I'm just going to throw this out there. I've always thought tool could really kill the last like third of Terrapin station. That part that's Ooh. like bono, bone, bono, bone, bono. If, if tool did that, it That'd would fucking sweet. rule. I'm uh, Maynard, uh, <laughs> Adam, anybody. You know who? You know who? If there was one person who was listening from Tool who would be listening to this podcast, it'd be Adam Jones. Adam, if you are by any chance listening, give it a shot. I think I think he digs the dad. He's like he's Adam. If you are by any chance listening, why are your hands so big? Why are you <laughs> such a giant man? It's weird. Are you talking to Danny? Danny is like the big. Both he's like a big. They're both so big. Are they both big? Yeah. He looks like an ogre. They're big dudes. I'm I sure mean, he's friendly though. It'd be uh I, I just think they I think they would kill that. That's that's an aside. Um yeah, and did you give uh YSZ? Did you give that a different rating? Um yeah, I, well I, I threw I gave yeah. that a four and a half. Um okay. I went with five, but I uh, thought it was Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um I mean there's there's um there's only twelve of them of all time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's super pretty, and I just adore religious music in general um like reg like uh what's the word like church choirs and stuff like that i just love it it's just a peaceful sound i thought that they do a good job with the vocals on it too like it's really good sometimes they do stuff like that and i'm just like well if you can sing good all the time like what is what? or if you can sing this good then just like do it all the time yeah man um they are good but yeah they they the yeah. harmonies sound good. Yeah. 
and they do the same thing that's on the record where they like fade out in the middle and so people yeah. cheer and then like they come back with I'm not going to pretend I know what the words are um, That and it's great what's funny to me is like when you hear like the rogay harmony part in the middle that darkness and of light which they've never been in tune the entire time they've done that song from like 1998 <laughs> till now and and then you hear like a barbershop song and you're like, can't you guys just work it out? Like, can't you spend like half a day in the studio <laughs> just figuring? <laughs> we go to the encore and uh, we get the, oh wait, we go to the encore. Holy shit, what am I saying? We go to the encore and we get ready folks, hey. for the <laughs> version of <laughs> Dan <laughs> Bluegrass Alert. Bum, 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 chicka, bum, chicka, bum, chicka, bum, chicka, bum, on the train and yeah uh it's dan blue alert uh in the encore it's too we you can tell we don't have the we need a dan blue alert earlier we're not in we're not awake enough at this point um it's got to be right off the rip otherwise i <laughs> exactly i'm old um, you know it takes it takes me more than a second to stand up now i can't just jump up anymore you know that's what, that's dangerous if i stand up too fast i throw out my back or something <laughs> back in the day we used to you could bust out a ham bone in no time but now at two o'clock in the in the a.m we can't bust out a dan's bluegrass salute to save our lives cousin <laughs> We get the de- the the fish debut of Old Home Place. This oh is wow, is the eight. debut of it? That's this cool. is it. This is number one, a number one. Um, so it's the first, as you would imagine, of of uh, fourteen they would do in nineteen ninety four. Uh, unfortunately, that's the good news. The bad news is you can't hear it, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you can barely hear it because they're doing it off mic again, which we talked about uh, in the other nineteen ninety four episode. Um, with that said, it was, these ones were a little more audible than the, that, that show was like, I, it, at least for me, yeah, that one's real bad. whatever, they were like totally inaudible. This is, I could, I don't know about you. Could you, you could, I could kind of hear this a little bit. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I got a little bit of it. The, I, I'm not, I think there was just less <laughs> them doing that. I guess. Just... <laughs> oh, I'm so I glad it. they don't do that anymore. The shushing I'm is so actually good. what makes it worse too. You know what I mean? That's the word. The shushing is the worst part. Even when so people annoying. are like randomly cheering, at least they mostly stop, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, and. Uh, but uh, the uh, thing I was gonna say as well, I gave it a four, by the way. Um, but the thing I was gonna say earlier, me too, about um, that guy who did the Wilson chant, that is my hero. I hope he is also that guy who coughed in time with the song, because. <laughs> That is like the most genuine thing a person could possibly do. <laughs> he's like, I gotta hold it in for one more beat. Yeah, he's just waiting, and then he just hits it with a. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> what have you done with the old home place? really hope it's him at this point like, <laughs> oh, man. they screw up too right there's one part where like mike's singing the lyrics and he's like wait what and then they keep going everybody laughs so it has that like laugh track feel <laughs> like it's you're really like in a live studio audience or something um so that's fun 
Um, I yeah, I went with a four as well because I was gonna go with a three or a two something because I hate these fucking like just play it in the regular. <laughs> You're a rock man. I get. I think I do get the appeal of we just did this crazy game hen choice show and you know I want to play in West Virginia. You down. know what I mean with acoustic. I get right. the why. But as a listening experience on the tape, it's like, oh, God, I got to turn this up. And then as soon as somebody, and then as soon as somebody yells, it's like, whoa. Yes. This one, we're not uh, going to agree. So we got to get into this quick. I know you're a big Amazing Grace person. Um, one of my favorite songs of all time. I don't uh, hate it's you beautiful. for, uh, I don't hate you for that. I hate that. I hate, I don't like Fish's version of the song at all. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, all. it's not the best version. Um, I like it's them just doing not it, the right... but they're not. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. What's your rating? What, what, what no, do you do? I'm on the auto four. It's not that. Yeah, there's just not. They need more. That would be a good one for a whole choir Broadway production. <laughs> that yeah, would be there awesome. I would That's not true. complain could, about they, having extra voices on that. They'll song. go into a whole. They won't do boy band, but they gospel is probably still really on the table. Like they might just go full. Oh, that would and that so would be happy. better. That would be better than. I gave it a two and I'm just going to say the fins are optional and I'm not taking the other three because I felt bad because I knew you're going to be mad at me. (laughs) So I'm not taking them, but I don't like it at all. I do. I would never listen to fish to amazing grace. If we weren't doing a podcast, I'm sorry. And it's It's such a beautiful, it's it's such a beautiful melody. Why are they singing it? Like they're wearing like barbershop, like pinstripe suits. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta like Jerry Garcia would be like, no, you gotta stretch this. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, um, that wouldn't be the only uh, thing Jerry would probably say. I wonder what he would, what do you think Jerry would think <laughs> <laughs> the game was? Jerry? I guess he'd like the concept, maybe. He'd be like, that's. I think Jerry would enough. say, this show, with all its ins and outs and, and, you know, different jams going in different directions, it reminds me of something that the Grateful Dead used to do a song called <laughs> Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'd rip off his mask and it'd be you and I'd be like, Dan, Dan <laughs> Red along. Um The next track is let's just let's I think we agree to disagree on I think you like Amazing Grace as a song more than I do, but I actually do like it as a song when it's done well. I just do not like yeah, the fish at it. all. And I yeah. never have. I, um, I the next track that, yeah. is Tube. Uh, this is kind of interesting. So it's a one of one for 94, uh, tubes in a weird spot at this point. It's not, they, they haven't revived it in the funky context that's going to happen in the late nineties, but it used to be in the early nineties, like a song that popped up. Trey Trey wrote this song after reading Fishman's lyrics in a notebook, which I always think is amazing (laughs) as a detail. (laughs) They played a great version of tube over the new year's run. Um, but yeah, it's uh not it's not a um it, it's it's sort of uh it's it's kind of a rarity at this point and it's very short obviously uh but it's very well performed I thought um uh, and just to yeah, hear yeah, them back a, on the instruments was great sloppy. so I gave it a four. Uh, oh, yeah. What do you think? I gave it a four as well. I did feel like it was a little sloppy though in the beginning at least. I 
But Trey did say it had been a while since they played it. So yeah, I factored that into it as well. And that's why I landed on a four. They played 124 shows in 94, and this is the only two they did. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but um, it's not like, yeah, it's not a, that reason I gave it a four too is also the same reason. It's not a great version of it, but it's cool that they played it. So it's inter- It's an interesting piece of trivia, I think, right? That the only version yeah. of 94 they did was the Game Boy show. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that that's before crazy. this. To be honest, I don't listen to Fish Encores often <laughs> unless it's a really cool encore for pleasure. You're not just like, I'm going to, I can't wait to get to character zero at the end of this show or <laughs> zero man, or like, can't wait to hear more yeah. into traffic light. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes like they'll do like Fluffhead as the encore and you're like, man, right. like if they always did something like that as the encore, fish shows would be even greater. But I understand that they're tired. They're doing a bunch of shit. I get it. <laughs> I think you would just want to go out there and do zero and hang out. So. But they did more back yeah, in these days, I think, than they usually do now. But that said, this fucking New Year's show was a goddamn marathon. I can't believe they played Game Henge and did Split Open and Melt, and then they did Yem, and they still weren't done. <laughs> <laughs> like, when people were doing the whole, is this the greatest show ever? I'm like, well, set three is one of the best sets they've done in a really long time anyway i'm a big fan <laughs> let's get to our last track the last track is fire this is a song that was originally recorded by a man named james marshall hendrix i think i already brought him up um i just at this point i uh, gave it a five and i'm i don't know yep. what i mean it technically could be a four i out of four but i nah, i disagree yeah it's they kill it that like two and a half ish area where they have like a false peak and then it all just dissolves for a second and then everyone just comes right back in. Whew. Great way to walk off the night. Well, yeah, great way to walk off the night. But then I don't know if you caught the very short clip of the I did house music I did. that comes on. It? <laughs> oh, do I? Man, well, okay. it's the, so they, they you can hear so fire's great, obviously. And Trey kills it, and then they play. The, you can hear the walk. Yeah, the walkout music is "Walking After Midnight" by Patsy Cline and the Jordaires, and that's yes, and that, it's so good. Do. Jordan, right? It's the it's the Patsy Cline and the Jordanaires. Oh my god, that song is so hot. I'm so glad you picked up on that too, because I was like. What a great way to walk out of an amazing show. <laughs> to oh, listen to man. this awesome. Can you imagine how insufferable I would be though if we were ever walking out of a fish show and they started playing Patsy Cline? Like I would just be insufferable for the whole trip all the way back it's to Mike's weird. apartment. And Mike it's would get though, in on it. Yeah. No, totally. I would too. I yeah. <laughs> after I heard this show. I don't think I did this. I listened to this show when I was at work when I was doing a shift. I just sat it on in my headphones and then I heard that and on my way home I listened to Walking After Midnight on <laughs> Spotify and then it just kept recommending more pets and it was just I just spent the whole trip just listening to Patsy. It was an oh, amazing man. trip home. I love I love so uh, good. I love Patsy Klein. Her she's just what just she just she sang like an angel. Um it's such a great way to walk out on the show too. I'm glad An you angel hear it. wearing leather. I think I mentioned too that um, downtown uh, there's a on a live one. You can hear at the be- this is the opposite at the beginning before Wilson starts. You can hear this. They put in the set break music and it's the song downtown 
by Tom Waits from Heart Attack and Vine. <laughs> Going down, 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 down. Yeah, it's that song. And they're playing that for separate, down, presumably because down, they're playing down. all of Heart Attack and Vine, which is awesome. <laughs> I love Heart Attack and Vine. And it's really funny that that would be playing at a fish show. Um, sometimes when you're walking out, I feel it's hard to get, it's, it's easier in the set break or the beginning. Cause you can kind of hear yeah. it, but the walkout is sometimes the hard. Cause like so many people are talking, you're yeah. trying to get out. You're not really paying attention, but in this, all the chompers that couldn't hold that had to hold on all show or just let were just <laughs> People like us who were like, <laughs> one of we're the people chomping. that, you know, the person that was having the argument with the person on the train, you know, notorious chomper. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they played no, sand so no you can only imagine how that was for me I was oh, like yep geez. I know that's my favorite song too that's so why I'm trying to fucking listen to it we, did, we didn't talk about the sand thing I mean so yeah. technically you saw it at the New Year's show in yeah. 2019 but it wasn't your thing but you'd been chasing yeah. it for so long we mentioned it on yeah. the podcast there was a, a close but no sand gar episode <laughs> um, and you actually um, saw sand. It really happened mm-hmm. for you. Normal and everything. It was wonderful. And it was a really good version, too. Just shows your perseverance pays off. Keep seeing, <laughs> keep spending money on the That's band right. that you want to see over and over again until you have paid enough money to see the song that you wanted to see. <laughs> exactly. They, there's one thing they need, and it's money. And we just have to keep giving it to them and giving it to them. Um, I do think it's funny when people actually complain about that. They're like, oh, God, all they want is money. And I'm like, well, they, they're they a band that has an audience that's gigantic. Like every time they play shows, it's going to be a lot of money. We, just, we live in a society. What do they, what do they need money for? People are acting like they put on full-on Broadway performances over yeah. the New Year's. It's or I know it's playing not, it like it's the not, sphere, planning gigantic like, festivals with mimes <laughs> hiding in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're putting on literally full-scale Broadway productions with Broadway talent forty right. years into their career just because like nope. weirdo old fans like you and I would give a shit about. Oh wait, yes. no, that's what they're doing. <laughs> now, wait a second, they're that not going this. And I used to like I I like some U two stuff a, a great deal. They're not going that fucking route. They're not like just doing fucking Octung Baby again. They're not doing that <laughs> this many years into their. I like U uh, two a, a little bit. And I like Octung Baby. They're not fucking doing that. They're doing this instead. They're, I guess you could say they're going back to the past with this, but they're reinventing it and changing it and doing something really new and cool. And they might have played the best show of their career four years in. Like, that's crazy. The fact that that's even on the table is nuts. Like, I can't believe they did it. I mean, we wouldn't have done a podcast if we'd known, obviously. If <laughs> we would have done <laughs> um, I just can't believe they did it. I, it, I, I, it's been, I've just been saying out loud to no one, like, I'm talking to my cats, like, they did Game Henge. <laughs> like, <laughs> The fish did game hinge. Yeah, and then you get back to the real world, and people go, "How was the? Sh- how was the? How was the the run? How was the the shows?" And you think to yourself, "Well, they played game hinge. Well, how <laughs> do I explain that?" So you just say, "It's really good." Yeah, it's like, um, well, they well they know. broke out this story that they have from nineteen ninety four. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was good. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when she said it's time to tell us it's time and they raised the rhombus, I, I just, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. I was like, there's no, like, because every time there's an internet rumor, it's always wrong, right? It's always like they're going to do right. Zeppelin 4. <laughs> you know, it's always like this, like, um, which they should do. It's the, you can't do Zepp because of the vocals, but they, you know, unless they had, like, they hired the, <laughs> Greta Van Vliet, Greta Van Vliet guy, yeah, yeah, and just bring him in the fold. Do that for I'm, I'd be down for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you do something funny though. I think you do like Zeppelin, but you have like Michael Bublé do the vocals. Yeah, <laughs> bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> the Queen of Light took her bows. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen on the Sandy Denny parts, Lady Gaga. Dancing in the dark of She could actually probably really fucking kill that. That part, would though. fuck. That would that would slay for real. Actually, for real. Yeah, and like the <laughs> Florence would be the better one though. If you're gonna go you all out, Blake. I'd get Florence. If you're bringing Buble in on a fish thing, it's gotta be Lawn Boy. Just to like, yeah. it'd be like a gag. Oh my god! Cage starts to sing it, and then Buble's like, "Yo, I got this," and just does the full. Dude, that'd be hilarious. That legit though. We, that we came really up with like seven. Awesome. People are like, they can't do any more New Year's ideas. We just came up with like five on this podcast, and that we didn't even try. That's how good we are, nope. man. And one mm-hmm. of them, one of them was us. So the done not don't count that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we did Game Hoist. This is one of the biggest, most important fish shows of all time. And it's worth noting they did Game Henge after this. They aired that as the dinner and a movie thing. Um, that's the show from Great Woods. Um, that's an incredible version of it as well. Pretty similar, um, like narrative-wise and stuff. So pretty much when they did it live, it was the same kind of idea where he would walk you through the story as C- Colonel Forbin. And then um, and then they did New Year's, which I feel like I've already talked probably too much about but you know it's just it's really something <laughs> this new year's has brought a lot of surprises game hinge happened and now you're way ahead in the fin rankings because i left this show with 20 extra fins i came in with 34 i spent 14 <laughs> Ooh, big spender big spender 14 they're definitely getting you the hotel suite and in vegas for that one man we got <laughs> a whale right. coming in big spender <laughs> 14 fins went into the water and none of them came out <laughs> 20 fins in the water <laughs> game inch game inch took game inch took most of them the slow songs on hoist took the rest <laughs> <laughs> dog face boy he come he take the rest 14 14 rutherfords go into the water none come out <laughs> you want to see my hoist um... chiefy <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger. We're gonna need a bigger game edge. We're gonna need a bigger golf cart. I liked how there were great super non-canon, or if you want to consider canon, like the tape moments, like right, like um, the whole sloth thing was totally different. There was all these things. I did like how <laughs> when Rutherford goes into the water when they did the New Year's one, like, and then he just shows up later, and that is sort of like the way the story is, like. <laughs> He right, he's just there, they yeah. didn't show him getting saved but he's just sort of around until he chokes out teal and the Uta monster which they don't show i also there's great detail i don't think this is the last detail i'll say for the show is i really liked how 
the most similar to the game hoist thing where Trey's like, hey, can you guys quiet down so I can tell the story? Was when Fishman, remember they come out for the third set and they do McGrupp and then uh, Trey's like to Andy Golden, he's like, he does the good, it was a good bit where he's like, how'd you enjoy your $22 beers? <laughs> Whatever. And she's like, I had two and I bought a sweatshirt. And then Fishman's like, Fishman goes, uh, he goes, I can't believe they killed Tila. And there's just this awkward silence. And then <laughs> Trey goes, hey, Annie, did you hear what Fishman said? He says he can't believe like, he has to do the line again for him. <laughs> but I like Trey's Broadway training kicked in. He was like, she didn't get the line. We got a, we got people. We, <laughs> you know, there's people. Because clearly they had people backstage too. I mean, right? Because they're doing like, there's all the like, there's like these. There were synth sounds that were not coming from Paige. Unless he can play synths with his mind, <laughs> which I'm not ruling out. Um, but you got Jeff Tansky down there in the bowels of MSG somewhere just lighting the shit up. So Tansky the Mansky, we're calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> this was really fun, Dan. I'm glad that uh, we got we did the game hoist thing. People talk about <laughs> living rent-free in somebody's head. Like, game hoist has moved in. There's cardboard boxes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just one last thing before we go which set did you like better game hand or hoist uh hoist i got a sense of that yeah i could tell based yeah. on your yeah I, it's weird it's weird maybe i'll just keep listening to it but like changing the order and seeing if i like it more that way <laughs> the game hinge part you mean or the hoist part the game hinge part yeah maybe i'll just no. keep like rearranging it yeah, no, it's cool. I, I'm not, uh, I actually, it's funny because the hoist part was more interesting from a, like where they are direction wise musically going than the game hinge right. part of this show because, but I just think the songs just rip so hard in the game hinge part <laughs> in a way that the hoist is, hoist is a pretty slow ballady album and I love those songs a lot. Um, it's close for me. I think I would give a slight nod to Game Hinge because I love Game Hinge so much. But uh, I love hearing like some of those ones that you know the if I could dog face boy the ones that don't get played a lot. I'm always happy to hit those. So we had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, that so this is as if our rating system wasn't confusing enough. <laughs> the next episode you're gonna hear is uh, a show we already recorded, which is about. Um, the 2009 Albany show. Um, and sounds like a uh, great show. <laughs> that shows a lot of fun. And uh, between now and then, uh, keep your eye out though on the feed because there may be a bonus ep. Oh, right, Dan? Oh, a, fuck, yes. a bonus ep. We've never done a bonus ep before. So um, check that out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far in the podcast, I implore you, please, to email us at fivefinsmailbag <laughs> at gmail. Just so we know. Just so you, we just want to know that there's someone out there who cares. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Five Fins. Stay tuned for the Albany 2009 show, which is awesome and definitely a really fun listen. Really great show. To keep an eye out for the bonus episodes. Um, thanks so much for listening to Five Fins, and we'll catch you next time. Right, Dan? Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>